here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Many, 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 are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. <laughs> Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I am Rich Crate alongside, as always, the King of Banter himself, Mr. Joe Lanz. And Joe, I'm not going to ask how you're doing because I know it's bad. This is the day we'd all been waiting for, unfortunately, the end of the Naked Chicken Chalupa. Did you have one on the final day? I didn't have one on the final day. Did you know it was coming? Yes. Okay. Um, Taco Bell always does this to me. They took away my volcano sauce. Mm-hmm. They took away... I remember the volcano sauce. The yeah. Delicious sauce. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, they took away the uh, $1 double stacks about a month ago. See, now, I don't remember that. What, what was that? I heard you and uh, Joey Janela were arguing about that earlier. I have no idea what that is. I mean, he, he's noted Taco Bell fanatic Joey Janela. Uh, Sean Sloan as well, big fan of the double stacks. I mean, they were just – and you know how he's a picky eater. They're just a fantastic item. I mean, there were three different kinds of double stacks. I couldn't even describe all three of them. I don't, I'm going to look them up because I don't remember the Taco Bell double stacks. For stack. a $1 right. taco – they were very hearty, very filling, and, and, and high quality. Because okay. you know what you get for a dollar. I mean, you know. But the double stacks were a fantastic item. They took those away for the naked chicken chill, which, of course. You know, I think they said, did they have a different name other places? No. I swear, I, I know what these things are, but I don't, I don't remember them being called double stack. I don't know. Because it's, it's, it's like the hard shell with the cheese and then the soft shell over top it, right? They've had a lot of gimmicks that use that same basic formula. <laughs> Okay, that might be the problem. <laughs> These were called double stacks. They were a dollar each. They were fantastic. I'd go. I'd get one of each. It cost you three bucks. It was great when you're on the run. Uh, nice cheap meal. Fill you up nicely. I'm a man with a hearty appetite, Rich, but these would fill me up nicely. That's what was good about the naked chicken chalupa, too, which, of course, was basically a taco made of a, a literally a fried chicken shell. Very filling this item. It was fantastic, by the way. For people that didn't have it or were like, ooh, that sounds gross. It was not gross at all. It was, it was Wait, very you, good. I'm not. You even liked it? I had. Oh, yeah, and I don't like Taco Bell. I don't really like fast food. Like, Taco Bell's fine. I mean, it, when worse comes to worse. I'll just, but, yeah, I had one. Um, so the nurse got one once, and I was like, oh, let me just try a little bit. Let me just try. And I, and I was like, oh, damn it. And, like, we were already home at that point, but I was like, oh, man. If, if, if it wasn't so late, I would drive right out there and get another one again. Uh, I did finally have one on my own uh, later, and then I heard the news, and I was I was devastated. And it seemed it seemed to come so quickly too. It was like only about you know, a, only about a month, only about a month. Yeah, what the hell are we doing here? Come on, if Rich liked they, it. You know, it's good because he's a food snob. Yeah, he's a food snob. He doesn't like it. I I am not actually a food snob, but I just don't like fast food that much. 
You're not. You, you, you got me a food snob. No, because you're, you're a food snob. I mean, just admit it. I mean, I've heard you talk about food. You, you know, you're a food snob. It's okay. I ate cereal for dinner today, sir. So tell me how much of a food snob. Listen, we're all snobs about something. You know, I like. I, I'm a wrestling snob. You're a food snob. I mean, you yeah. know, sometimes you, you got to get uppity about something. Now, everyone's uppity about something. You know what I mean? You, you happen to be a food snob. It's okay. You're a beer snob. I'm a beer snob. I would on a bad that one snob, you'll own. Sure, you'll own that one. Yes, that one I'll own. I, the food I, I don't know. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna own the food one quite yet. I here, I, do, here, I I eat horrible. I for somebody who's a food snob, you would think I would eat better than what I. Here's eat, the thing: but... if you enjoy a fast food item, it has to be good. Exactly. That that's the barometer because I'm not a fan of most fast food, but no, that that is fantastic. It, crunch wrap. I used to like to crunch wrap back in the day. They, they'll still make that for you. I don't know if it's on the menu anymore, but uh, if you go to the if you go to a uh, Taco Bell and it's like a guy who's been there for a while and you say the crunch wrap, he'll he'll hook you up because it's it's really every. I mean, th- that's a good thing about Taco Bell is that if any if they're willing to do it, they'll have most everything there. But I don't. This is pretty well done though. They're not just going to have a giant chicken ready to fold for you. You know, when they were getting rid of the volcano sauce. The, uh, oh, you couldn't get the volcano sauce either. Yeah, I don't know. That's... Well, the guy over at my Taco Bell here, I, he he warned me because I was coming in all the time for the for the <laughs> volcano tacos, and, and and not only just the volcano tacos, I would get the volcano sauce put on everything else that I ordered. And he said, you know, we're get we're discontinuing the volcano sauce, and I felt like like a family member died. Like I was so sad, and I was like, listen, if you got like a half a case left in the back or something. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a $20 bill, a crisp $20 bill right now. Just give me the rest of whatever you have. He's like, I can't do it. I was like, come on, man. I know you got like a half a case back there. You're just waiting to finish it all. I will buy the case off of you. I'll give you $20. He wouldn't sell it to me. I, I went around to all the Taco Bells in Bryan College Station trying to get the remaining case of volcano sauce, but the rest of them were out. But this guy had some left. He had like half a case left, and he was just waiting to use it up, and he wouldn't sell it to me for 20 bucks. That's a dedicated Taco Bell manager. You know what I mean? He could have made a nice backdoor. He sticks to the law. Yeah, he sticks to the law, the, the, the law of the land of Taco right, Bell. It's an, that, item, it's an item they weren't even selling. Anymore. He was just waiting to use his excess. He could have just slipped out the back door and made himself a quick 20, and he didn't make the deal. Hmm. Is that? Were, you, were we playing on reverse engineering it at all or no? You just wanted to hoard it whatever was left yeah that... i mean i just wanted to use it for my own at my home you know like i was probably gonna go to taco bell and then bring it home and put the volcano sauce on or put it on my food i love that stuff i probably would have just squeezed it right out of the pouch into my mouth to be completely honest with you it was tremendous sauce it's kind of like a, it's like a paprika it, it, it's similar to yeah i'm trying to remember what it was like it it, it, it definitely had like some paprika in it or something like that i forgot what it was it, it was it was a very tasty sauce though. i do remember that yeah so now they got this sriracha sauce it's not the same no get that it's out not the same there's a huge difference. Everybody knows the difference between sriracha and, and volcano sauce. Come on. You know, I would figure that um, on maybe the busiest show we have for the year that we <laughs> talk about yes. Taco Bell for 15 minutes. Right, but we cannot talk about Fastlane, though. We are, we're knocking Fastlane out because we have to talk about this. You know, so. which is funny because, you know, a lot of people got on our case last week because we said we got to do these WWE previews. And, and we, we put our foot down. We said, no, we have to do them. And this week we're cutting the WWE preview. So uh, those people should be happy at least. We will not be previewing Fastlane, vroom, vroom. No Fastlane preview this week, Rich. Uh, I think they can get all their Fastlane talk next week when we review the show. Mm-hmm. And if you want, if you really, really desire a preview, Shake Them Ropes, of course, on this very podcast network, did a uh, long preview of it uh, earlier this week. So go listen to that show, download that show. Uh, if you're subscribing to us on iTunes, TuneIn, or whatever on the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network, you already have that one, so you're good to go. But yeah, they, they did an extensive uh, preview, and then we will 
no doubt do a review next week for sure. So we got TNA. The reborn. Strike that. Impact. <laughs> the reborn. The, the tapings are going on as we speak, and they, they are finally officially no more this weird, which what are we gonna call it? It's now known as Impact. Yeah, which is they did this like years but ago, they, but, but they, they didn't, didn't they didn't follow through themselves. Like they were like, We are no longer TNA, we are impact. And then like a day later they're tweeting out like oh, TNA or whatever. It's like, all right, guys, you can't do they that. They didn't like, commit. They, right. They unofficially said we're not doing TNA anymore, and then the, all their titles were still called the TNA titles, all those pay-per-view titles were still still TNA, whatever, and then just the show was impact wrestling. And then everything on that show was branded as Impact Wrestling, which felt different. That it was a mess. It never really worked out. It was half-assed. That was still, I think, like that was still the Hogan era, and all those guys were going in there. So it, it was probably more than two years. Yeah, ago it's when they, they changed that, to the but... blue and they went to the square. Right, exactly. And yeah, yeah, exactly. So they, they did it then, but now it's now it's official. Bruce Pritchard has said so, or whoever was saying uh, Mister. Yes, that's right. Something to wrestle with. Uh, Bruce Pritchard uh, coming out to his TNA Tron with something to wrestle with uh, on big screen <laughs> has decreed that we have the Observer Awards. Which, as usual, everyone is up in arms over. And I got to be honest, Rich, I don't know why. I think they were almost every single one of them was perfectly reasonable. But we can dig into that later. We've got some New Japan news and notes. We won't be going super deep into uh, some of the shows that took place this week. But we will take a look at the New Japan Cup brackets, the 45th anniversary show coming up. We're going to try to touch on the All Japan Junior Battle of Glory, which you did manage to watch. Uh, so we will be able to talk about that show. All Japan, two weeks in a row. How about that? That's a lot of listeners will be happy about that. They think we haven't done it yet, though. So let's uh, maybe not. not We're going to get to it. I promise. <laughs> you. And something we'll absolutely be getting to is face fuck Phillips, Tom Phillips, and uh, his shenanigans this week. I have a lot to say about that. Oh, I'm sure you do. That that's definitely talked in the third hour. I, that's a, not that's doing a that until third, third hour, hour topic without question. Yeah. Uh, but first, Rich, I think before anything else, we've got to tell people about Blue Apron. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient recipe delivery service in the country. Did you know that, Rich? I did. Their mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Those who spend a lot, of, lot at restaurants or at high-end grocery chains can now spend under $10 per person for a delicious meal, and these meals are delicious. The upcoming meals include salmon piccata with orzo and broccoli. Pork chops and miso butter with bok choy and marinated apple. Vegetable chili and baked sweet potatoes with crispy tortilla strips. And spicy shrimp coconut curry with cabbage and rice. Customize your recipes each week based on your preferences. Rich, if you don't like the spicy shrimp coconut curry with cabbage and rice, they have six options a week that you can choose from, and you can switch it up right there on your preference screen. Blue Apron has several delivery options, so you can choose what fits your needs. There's no weekly commitment, so you only get deliveries when you want them. Each meal comes with step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe cards and pre-portioned ingredients that can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash VOW. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So do not wait. That's blueapron.com slash V-O-W. So we're going to start off with TNA. Strike that. Impact. <laughs> Impact the Reborn. We got to do it. We got to be diligent about it, too. So Yeah, I mean. Bruce, Bruce has said it. Now we must, you know, we, we must follow. And I so. think it's going to stick this time. Um, <laughs> look. Over under how many times we say TNA in this segment coming up. Well, I mean, you know, I was being facetious, of course. I, I don't know how many times we're going to, you know, uh, 
say it uh, like accidentally. Yeah, I, I would say I won't do it on purpose. No, it won't be on purpose at all. It'll absolutely be you know just just it's so hard to disconnect Impact Wrestling TNA this brand because I mean that's the other thing that's funny about this brand as as we're going through yet another you know regime change and era and all this sort of stuff. It's just how long this company has been around. Like people don't realize. Like when you look at at all of, of the Turner ran WCW, all of Paul Heyman and ECW and all that. Pales in comparison to how long Impact slash TNA has been around. It, it, it's unbelievable how long this cockroach has stayed alive. Different eras, different regimes, new things, and it's still kicking, man. It is it, it is unbelievable. I, I've never seen anything like this. It, I don't know if the business world has seen anything quite like this thing. It just never seems to go anywhere, but never goes away. It's 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 incredible. I don't I I, I love it. I've I've become just the biggest fan because I just love. Every time that we, you know, every two years we get on here and we do, hey, here's what's going on in Impact now. Here's the new things. I mean, I love it. It's great for the show. Yeah. I mean, you know, unfortunately, it seems like we're always talking about some sort of TNA reset every year. But they always are. It's not our fault. They're either switching a network or there's a regime change or, you know, there's, there's, or they're near death. There's always something going on. Uh, Sending emails to network execs or hiring Vince Russo under the table I mean, every day, every week, there's something. Well, you know, this particular story, we were kind of ahead of a curve because about three or four weeks ago on this show, uh, we had suggested, I think we both agreed that uh, with an ownership change and looking to cut costs and those sorts of things, it wouldn't be the worst idea to just let the Hardys walk. Um, and just to briefly summarize why we felt that way at the time. I mean, if you're looking uh, at the, at the, um, at, at, at the bottom line and what the Hardys bring to you in terms of return on investment, they're very expensive pieces of talent. But aside from the initial final deletion, which popped the one big rating, uh, the Hardys have not moved the needle with the ratings are now for people who haven't paid attention back to the pre final deletion levels. So the Hardys do not move television at all. Um, some have noted that they've even fall, fallen slightly below the, the pre-final final deletion was the first short film gimmick, right? That uh, correct. Yeah. 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 I, I just mm-hmm. want to make sure I'm, um, um, yeah, the, the first attempt, the final deletion, the first one, the one that, 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 that had legitimate buzz and legitimately moved the needle. None of the other, and listen, the show is built around the Hardys every week. They don't always do these short films. Lately, they've been doing this deal where they time travel and they win tag belts. They go to crash. They go to CWF mid Atlantic, wherever they beat all these tag teams. Uh, but but even when he's not doing a short film deal on the show, the show is still generally built around the Hardys and the, and and the the for all of the talk, all of these people saying that how do you let the only two people that have any buzz in the company go? Ever it's the only thing that brings TNA. To, what does that buzz and that attention mean if no one is watching? It, it, they're not driving eyeballs to the set. This Hardy stuff is so overrated in terms of buzz. I mean, I'm just so sick and tired of hearing it. How is it reflected in business? It's not. And like we talked about a few weeks ago, maybe if TNA, there's one. I think the over-under is two and a half. Oh, there it is. That that wasn't a gimmick. I accidentally said TNA. No, that's what I'm saying. I don't think we're going to do it on purpose. It's just going to happen. But yeah, there we go. So maybe maybe if Impact, if they were doing house shows, if they were planning on doing house shows imminently, that would be a different story. I think you made a great point a few weeks ago when you said, Look, the Hardys' value isn't – it's not – they don't have the same value to impact that they would have for Ring of Honor or that they would have for WWE or that they would have for New Japan or for whoever. Their value changes based on where they are, and they simply don't have as much value 
to the current impact business structure as they would in other places. And that's why we suggested that it would be the right move either to deliberately not resign them or to, you know, have just let them walk. Um, and I stand by that because I don't think there's any return on investment on those. And I, I, you know, and, and now it's come out. It looks like they were interested in keeping Jeff Hardy and building around him as the top babyface, but they were less interested in Matt, which again, it makes sense to me because I'm not one of these people that overrate the broken Matt stuff. Now, with that said, Rich, I do think that the broken Matt gimmick is great for Matt Hardy. Basically, he was getting a free two-hour commercial every week to promote himself. <laughs> right, exactly. He yeah, was yeah. getting more out of Impact than Impact was getting out of him. Impact, mm-hmm. without question, was losing money on Matt Hardy. There's no question because what revenue stream was he driving? There's no pay-per-view. There's no house shows. He's controlling his own merchandise for the most part. It, the, the ratings were, were down from before the, the gimmicks. Well, it, some people don't know this too, but uh, Gary Kidney, our, our, of course, our resident TNA expert. Uh, and I'm going to say resident TNA expert because that's fine. I'm not counting that as one of our, our ones because it's what we've always called him. But uh, he no, that's remarked two. that. That's two. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. All right. We're, we gotta, we're on a tight shift now. We've got we to be careful now. But um, he remarked that. And some people don't know this. They have a Pro Wrestling Tees account. That's the Hardys. And they're selling all their t-shirts through that site. This is what I'm saying. So it's like... TNA is... It's, TNA's, right. TNA's not making anything off these guys. Got, that's four. So we're way over. So Damn it. We're done counting because we, we both said it. Damn it. TNA is making no money. All right. We're just going to do it. Fuck it. We're just going to say TNA. Yeah. That's it. It's like, it's like we can't, we can't <laughs> control ourselves. TNA is making like zero dollars off of mm-hmm. that. Why can't people understand this? I'm so sick and tired of, of seeing this everywhere. How, you know, they let their only guy with any buzz walk away. What was he providing them? Right. Well, and this buzz was real because no one was watching. Right. It's kind of niche buzz in a lot of ways. And if you want to say that, yeah, well, a lot of people were talking about it and on social media, it was big deal. And on these things were a big deal. But you want to say that, whatever. But like my point that I meant, you know, mentioned last week about the value to a different company or whatever. And I'm sure this came up in negotiations, too, because I'm sure Matt is looking at, you know, different booking fees he got on in the independence and looking at, you know, YouTube videos and then social media metrics and all those sort of things and going, hey, look, here's the value that I, I, I present or whatever. But and again, he probably maybe he is worth whatever value, let's say X dollars or whatever that he thinks he's worth or whatever. And he's probably is worth that, but he's not worth it to impact. Correct. They don't get any. And, and that's a big thing. I think a lot of people have to kind of figure out. And you, you mentioned this uh, on social media, and I think it's important as well. It, it what what impact slash TNA, what, what they're kind of going through right now is a little bit of what a really shitty sports team goes through when they have a bunch of high price contracts on their books and they, they're going to suck for the next three years. And it's like, do we want to suck while we're paying these guys a lot of money that aren't going to help us win because they're, st- they're not, you know, not going to do enough to really influence us to win? Or do we want to kind of shed everything and kind of start anew, start fresh or whatever? Because you know, Player X has value to other teams. He doesn't have value to us. Yeah, we can sign him for $100 million or whatever. And of course, I'm just throwing out like sports figures, not now, obviously what Matt Hardy was asking for or whatever. But, you know, we can pay player X $100 million to come play on our shitty team and win 12 games a year, you know, if this is the NBA, or we can let him go and, and he can make $100 million on another team and actually help that team win and, and help that team get over the hump or whatever. But that's it. There's Everybody's got this idea that like what the value of one guy is, is the same value to everybody. And it's just simply not for impact. They, they, they got nothing out of Matt Hardy, and that's not to say that Matt Hardy isn't wouldn't be, and we mentioned it last week and a few weeks ago, Ring of Honor should fall over themselves to try to sign these guys because they tour, they run pay-per-views, they have all this sort of stuff going on. They would 
be so smart to give whatever Matt Hardy wants and go for it because they need a guy that can generate that sort of stuff that can generate, you know, house show draws and buys and, 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 and stuff like that. Cause that's, what's important. And that's what I think Matt Hardy and, and to an extent, Jeff Hardy was doing as well. They were drawing on the Indies. They were drawing, you know, people to go watch them and to go see them and go do those things, but they weren't drawing TV ratings. So for TNA who are simply at this point, a TV entity, the Hardys don't have any value to them. I, I think, I think Matt Hardy is far more valuable to the indie scene than he is to Impact. I think he's far more valuable to Ring of Honor uh, than Impact. And I think he would be far more valuable to WWE than he would be to Impact. Because I think WWE can give him the necessary exposure and market him in such a way to where this buzz that everyone talks about that is this fake thing with him that hasn't done anything for Impact could be exploited into dollars. I think WWE can do that. Um, you, you know, because there, he would, I think he would help draw on the road. I think he would sell merchandise for WWE. His t-shirts, you know, I think he would, he would uh, maybe help some sell some networks, whatever the case may be, whatever revenue stream you want to talk about. Impact doesn't have any revenue streams except for TV. And if you're not right. moving <laughs> the ratings needle, what They have a giant you? India check. They have a giant check they get from the India, Sony 6, and that is the revenue stream. So. so, you know, even though it sounds like we're completely burying Matt Hardy, we're more so burying mm. the idea that Matt Hardy is, is, this, is this coveted entity that, that Impact could not let go under any circumstances. I fail to see it that way. I, if I were taking over the company, he would have been the first guy I would have cut. I know that sounds harsh, and I know it sounds crazy on the surface, but if you listen to the last five minutes of this conversation, it makes business sense. And I want to read you a quote from Leonard Asper. Who's that, Rich? No one... I believe that is a, uh, found, a president of Anthem, right, or something of Anthem. He's, he's pretty big in this Anthem. This is basically, right? you get to know his name because he's a player in wrestling now. This guy's running Anthem, and he's, he's, uh, he's overseeing TNA. Here's a direct quote from him that was in The Observer this week, and I quote, I'm not doing it because I'm a wrestling fanatic. It's a business decision. We want to own content as a company. And when he says I'm not doing it, it means purchasing Impact Wrestling. So just read into that quote. This isn't a wrestling fan. This isn't a money mark uh, like Dixie Carter was, who was a wrestling fan growing up. She wanted to own her own wrestling company and this and that. This is a businessman, Rich. This is a businessman who's working for a company where Impact Wrestling is their number two rated show, and they wanted to own it. And they're coming in here, and they're running it as a business. And the first order of business was, we need to, we have contracts coming up, and we need to place value on these people and decide whether or not we're going to resign them or not. Um, they, uh, you know, and, and look, Jeff Jarrett was not a big fan of the broken mat stuff. We get it. Jeff Jarrett, uh, you know, was a bigger fan of keeping Jeff. Wasn't so hot on keeping Matt. Plus, there were. Um, you know, issues like with the pro wrestling tea store and who owns the broken mat name. Look, I can understand why the Hardys wanted to stay. They had a sweetheart deal there. They're getting two hours of free advertisement to push their own brand every week. And, 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 and which helps them draw on the road, which helps them sell t-shirts on their pro wrestling tea store. Okay. They're basically using impact. Right? And, and these new owners came in and said, now hold on a minute. We're going to draw up a contract. That's more advantageous to everybody. I don't see how you could side with the Hardys here. I really don't see how you could side with the Hardys and claim that Impact is in the wrong for letting them walk or, 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 or creating a contract that's more advantageous for everyone, that's more fair for everyone. That's how business works, okay? And look, they wanted to keep Jeff. Jeff decided to walk. You know, I, I get wanting to keep Jeff. Uh, personally, I think the Broken Matt stuff is hindering Jeff, was hindering Jeff's value to Impact. I do. I think like Garrett said, they told that story. That story was over. Now where do you go? 
Right. And, 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 and that's I the guy who, Jeff who Hardy sh- had way more potential as the top babyface, which is what they wanted to do with him had he stayed. Right. And we've seen him do that too. We've seen him move numbers in TNA and in Impact in the in the past. And that's not to say that, of course, he will no, undoubtedly do it again or whatever. But we know that there's something tangible there, where, where he consistently was able to draw numbers, you know, whether it be pay per view buys or TV ratings and all those sort of things. So we 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 get that. Yeah, Jeff Hardy was definitely, and to them, you know, Jeff Hardy's probably a better wrestler as well. Makes a little bit more. And, and you can once once the broken mat thing goes away, or people kind of get sick of it. What's there really left with Matt Hardy? I mean, this is a guy who was pretty much on, you know, doing nothing well, Rich, before we're, we're that see, character we're came. seeing the results of that. People, right. people are already tired. Look, it, it does, it's not a television draw. People right. got tired of it after the first time. Rich, who were the only two people on the planet who said that was going to happen, by the way? Because, listen, we can't go through a show without patting ourselves on the back of this <laughs> one. But, but honestly, how much heat did we take from all sides for saying that this was not going to be sustainable. But we were right. After the first time, no one came back. It straight plummeted back to below the levels they were at. So you're absolutely right. Where does a Matt Hardy go? I think Jeff Jarrett, listen, I think he's right on the money with this. I think Jeff Hardy had value. I don't think Matt Hardy had value to impact. Now, here's what's going to happen. Matt Hardy's going to pop up in TNA, or he's going to do huge numbers on the Indies, or he's going to go to WWE and get a massive delete chant at WrestleMania and make them a ton of money, and people are going to say that we were wrong. But if they've listened, we said that he does have value to those. I just don't think right. he has value that, to impact wrestling. No, exactly, and, and that's the thing. That's, I think the important part of this entire discussion, and, and it's something we try to do on the show as well, is to not just kind of blanketly you know, throw a, a giant broad brush over this entire thing, and it's not that Matt Hardy's value to impact is, is, is zero. It's minimal. It, it's negative, as you sort of laid out there, whereas his impact in Ring of Honor, his impact in WWE, his impact just on the indies. If he wants to just go be a super indie guy, he can do that. He can do that for years and, and get by, probably just doing the broken mat thing and, and just kind of doing some stuff here and there. I think there's going to be a enough interest in him to to draw you know an extra 500 people to a random show in, in some town I, I think there is that so i i think yeah, he does have tremendous value in that sense and as we said jeff hardy is a guy who who if i'm jeff jarrett i 100 agree with you he's a guy that i look at that okay let's take this broken mat stuff and, and assume that it, it, it's gone it's done with or whatever what do we do with these two guys well jeff you still have something there he's a guy who's who's shown in the past that he has tangible results he's a guy who can still go in the ring a little bit he's a guy that still has this this cachet as a baby face that you can really do some stuff with so I absolutely get that as well, and I understand why Jeff Hardy kind of did not like how you know negotiations were going or whatnot, and said, "No, nah, I'm kind of done." And Matt said he's done too because they're well in their rights to explore because they are a hot commodity and they are going to make a lot of money probably somewhere else. And that that's that doesn't mean that there necessarily has to be any wrongs here. It's not that Jeff Jarrett wronged the Hardys or the the Hardys wronged Jeff Jarrett or Impact wronged the Hardys. Like it can be both sides realizing that their value is better elsewhere. That that. Jeff Jarrett is better spending his money elsewhere and, and the Hardys are better, you know, getting their money elsewhere. And, and that's fine. It can be that. It doesn't always have to be a black, white, wrong, right. Yes. No. Like it doesn't always have to be that. And I think we, both sides can be fine. And I think too <laughs> often we fall into the trap of thinking that everything TNA does is stupid. Well, this is a new ownership group. This is new people running things. I think, uh, you know, and, and, and to me, I think I do think that they made a, a, a sound business decision here. And, and you're right. I don't really blame the, either Hardy for walking away either because you don't have, you know, they, they had free reign. They had they had uh, they had they really had a great deal there. And this new company wanted to change things on them. And, to, you know, and, and, and from their perspective, look, it's not the sweetheart deal they had before. I don't blame them for exploring other options, um, you know, and, and I don't blame Anthem. For, for, you know, uh, cutting the – look, they wanted to keep Jeff around. Look, and that, that's the thing. Maybe they showed some fiscal responsibility 
for once in the history of, of the lineage of this company by not breaking the bank on Jeff Hardy. But with that said, Rich, they said they wanted to make one or two big splashes. So the big splash they ended up making was Alberto Del Rio, which is not a move I can get behind. Um, I don't think – now, look, here's the thing. Well, who else is there? You know, you know, to me, Del Rio basically – because spoiler – Okay, fast forward 15 seconds before, you know, you dorks, if you don't want the spoilers. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, from right now, just fast forward 15 seconds. Uh, he won the title tonight, Alberto Del Rio, from Lashley. So, to me, essentially, he got Jeff Hardy's spot. I mean, that's how it feels to me, because it seemed like they wanted to push Jeff Hardy as the top babyface. Instead, they bring in Del Rio. He may have gotten his spot from both a monetary point of view and from a slotting point. Now, look. Maybe they would have signed Jeff Hardy and Alberto Del Rio. I, I don't. We don't know the answer to that, uh, but it sure feels to me that way. I'm not crazy about Alberto Del Rio. I don't think that's money well spent. But I, I do think that they probably feel they do need some people with some name value. And from that perspective, who else is there really that's just floating around out there who is a true free agent who they can put on their TV immediately? It's, it's kind of a tricky deal. So. I don't like Del Rio, but I can kind of see why they went in that direction. Yeah, I can too. And I think one of the parts that, that is, is going on right now, and, and, and again, we're not Del Rio fans at all, and I, I, that's not the move I would make either. And he's but, not going to be a difference you know, maker either. I can... Exactly. No, he's not going to do anything for him. But what, what, what's getting lost in this too, because of course we're, we're seeing all these tweets and people are going, oh my God, they can't afford the Hardys or Galloway. We'll get to Drew Galloway here in a little bit. And they can't afford all these people, but they can afford you know Del Rio or whatever. We don't know what they're paying Del Rio. We have no idea what deal he's on. I feel like it, it's a little early to just say, well, they just used all the money they were going to pay Jeff Hardy and gave it right to Alberto Del Rio. And, well, I mean, well, and also, let's not forget, they made offers to all these people. Exactly. And, and that's what, well, what I was going to say as well is that and, and this is an important part of, of negotiations as well and, and, and dealing with talent and whatnot. So you have Matt and Jeff who have been, as you said, on these sweetheart deals. They've been able to do whatever they wanted and had, had the run of the place or whatever. Creative they could control, do whatever. everything. Exactly. Some they had all this merch. stuff. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's a sweetheart deal. They had a great deal. Well, now they sit down at the table and Anthem and Jared are are, are not giving them all the, the what they were getting before. Uh, you know what? Actually, we're going to take this. We're, you know, you had this, but we're going to take that back. And they, So think of it from their standpoint. If the Hardys are sitting there going, well, no, geez, we had the sweetheart deal, and now you want us to agree to all this. And and they're not – I mean, they're in the well in the rights to go, well, no. we. I mean, we don't feel right. I mean, from your standpoint, if you're negotiating at your job and, and, and you've, you know, for two years gotten this payment and this and this and this, and all of a sudden you get some new bosses and they come in and they go, hey, here's this new thing we want you to sign. Sign it right now or whatever. You're well in your rights to go, nah, this kind of sucks. And and there's going to be a mentality that you're going to have as well is that, no, I had two years where I was able to do whatever I wanted. I got paid this, this, and this. You know, the optics of me coming here and now signing this deal that I don't like, that 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 takes away some of the benefits I had, is not good. And that's something that people forget is Del Rio is just getting a fresh contract. He doesn't he didn't have anything before to, to judge this on. If they just said, Hey, here's the deal, and he goes, he goes, Yeah, whatever, that's fine, good enough. That's whole different than than sitting down with Drew Galloway and sitting down with the Hardys and going, Hey, here's this new deal we have for you. It takes a lot of the concessions that you had away, uh, and it benefits us a little bit more. Those guys are the, the mentality that those guys are going to have are, well, geez, like we had a really good deal. And now this deal kind of sucks. Do I really want to sign this? Do I want to go backwards or do I want to explore other options? And those guys decided to explore other options. And they had some money to play with here because look at somebody look, look, Drew Galloway wasn't working for, for peanuts. OK, no, Mike Bennett and Maria, of all people, were not working for peanuts. I mean, they got egos out of cut. You know that they weren't working cheap. OK, so, you know, you, you're talking about they had some money to play with here and you're right. We have no idea what they're paying. I'm sure it's not cheap. 
and I'm sure not getting Del Rio on the cheap. He's another guy who isn't going to work for nothing. But uh, they had some money to work with here. And, and, and again, they did attempt to re-sign all these people. Drew Galloway decided on his own he didn't want to be there anymore. They made him an offer. You know what I mean? He, he decided it was advantageous for him to walk. Now, we don't know what kind of offer they made him. I assume, I assume, and I don't know this, that like the Hardys, it wasn't as good as an offer from before. Right. Why? Because they were siphoning money and Dixie Carter spent herself out of business. And this is a business coming in to run this as a business. And there, there is there, – and look, there's no secret that they're going through cost-cutting. I cannot blame Anthem for not offering the same deals to these people. They're trying to make money. They're trying to make money, okay? So, you know, maybe the deal wasn't good enough to sway Galloway. And maybe, they, you know, maybe the old regimes would have broken the bank and convinced them with a little bit of extra money. Same thing with the Hardys. Same thing with Mike Bennett. Who knows? But I, I think, look, I think it's a good sign that this regime is saying, okay, then walk. Take a hike. We're, we're nowhere anyway. So we're, we're more than willing to start over. I, I Listen, I don't have a problem with this. The, the tapings tonight do not look encouraging. No, <laughs> they don't. It's the first. It's the first time out. It's a new creative team. They're ripping it up and starting from scratch. Um, I'm not about to write them off, but I'll tell you what. I I, I am more con- especially and you know forget Anthem. Jeff Jarrett's another guy who we talk about this all the time. That family is notoriously cheap. Okay, so I think I am more confident in this new regime operating in the black. Even if the you know it's it's the television product isn't as enticing to people or isn't as excited doesn't have this imaginary buzz that Matt Hardy was bringing in, but I am more confident that they may run in the black, and that is what the lineage of this company needs more than anything else is to finally run in the black, and then you go from there. Once you're not siphoning money, once you're not losing money, once you maybe even making a little bit of money, okay, then maybe you can talk about going on the road, signing uh, more enticing free agents expanding your roster, uh, you know, maybe trying to, to you know, uh, reduce some pay, maybe sell some T-shirts for once instead of trying to sell Eric Young beards that you have 50,000 of them in the warehouse, whatever the case may be. But I, I listen, this is not unusual for a business when a new owner takes over to strip things down, cut costs, and start from ground zero. I really don't have a problem with the strategy. Yeah, and, and this is some insights from uh, Meltzer today um, in, in The Observer. He, he said, and we've heard this from other people as well, and it was good to kind of get some clarification from him. And this could be another reason why a lot of these people, you know, for whatever reason, left the negotiating tables or are departing is, uh, according to Dave, uh, Impact is trying to take wrestlers who are under annual contracts and change them to per-show deals, as well as put in the contracts that TNA slash Impact controls independent bookings and gets 10% of all independent money. So, again, as we were saying, if you're a Drew Galloway and, and you've had, you know, kind of the lay of the land of do whatever you want to do and you know jared and anthem you know in to their credit because they're a business you know they're allowed to do this came and said yeah you know how you were getting paid this annually yeah we're gonna move you to a, a per show deal and we're gonna get 10 percent of your independent stuff I, again i i maybe the, the deal isn't very good but from their standpoint they don't really give a shit what your deal was before they want to make money now and I think that's the part that a people are, are, are vilifying these guys, and it's not really necessarily right to, to do that because these guys are looking to, as you said, turn a profit, get in the black, change some things around here. So it's, it's not really their fault that TNA, some of these guys were on great contracts, and, and it's not necessarily the, you know, the wrestler's fault that they're saying, well, no, I don't want that deal. It's uh, Again, like I, I think there's too much of this, well, well, oh, my God, Impact's doing this, and oh, my God, Impact's doing that. They're well in their rights to want to run a business that actually functions and makes money, and these guys are well in their right, the Galloways, the Hardys, Mike Bennett, Maria, Mia Yim, you know, Jade or whatever, are well in their rights to go, well, no, I don't really like this deal, and I'm going to go seek stuff elsewhere. 
that's fine. It's okay. It doesn't necessarily have to be that, oh, which side is awful? Which side is bad? Which side is screwing the other one? It, it's not. It's just it's business. business. <laughs> right. It's business. Like, it's business. Like, they, you know, they're going to change these deals, and these guys aren't going to take these deals. That okay. Like so, so we know that the Hardy clan is out. We know that Mike Bennett's out. We know Maria's out. Drew Galloway's out. Jade is out. Um, here's who, and again, the, the word with her was they made her an offer. She didn't like it. She walked away. Probably, right, which is fair. Right. Again, again, I, I don't blame them. I don't blame, blame her. her. Yes, because like you're saying, it was probably those per show deals or whatnot and taking a percentage of the indie. Look, they all had sweetheart deals, which is why Dixie Carter is, uh, you know, <laughs> right, exactly. ran out of business. I wouldn't take a per show deal if I was them. Not, I would go, not, no, af- fuck that. not after not having one. Not after having Exactly. So, yeah, and that's 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 just it. And it's not necessarily Jared and them being cheap. It, again, business. That's business. what it comes down to. And it. really, I mean, let's be honest here. Jade's a nice little worker. She's had some good TV matches. But – you know, we're talking about Matt Hardy not providing much in the way of revenue to impact. What is Jade providing other than some good TV matches? She's a nice little mid-carder. It's not a big deal. People are going nuts. Look, she's fine, and she's had some good TV stuff. The match was made good, but it's not a big loss. You replace that easily. Okay? We're just, you know, when you had the Hardys and Drew Galloway leaving, the last thing I'd be worried about is Jade. I mean, come on, people. Let's reel it in. Okay, but here's who we're bringing in. Okay, and I want, and it, let's have some fun here. I want you to tell me whether you're buying or selling. I've collected all of the names. Okay. The people they're bringing in. Okay, let's go. Falaba. I don't even know who that is. You're not familiar with Falaba. I'm not familiar with Falaba. Falaba is a WrestlePro slash PWS uh, <laughs> talent. Sell. So sell. In he that was case, a. Sell. I'll tell you all about him. He was a. He was. Yeah. He was really hot and picking up steam around 2014 or so on the indie scene. He does like sort of a. The best I can describe it is sort of a Yokozuna gimmick. He's okay. a bigger dude. Well, then I might like it. Then I might like it. He he was he was he, he was something different. He was picking up a lot of steam on the indies and then all of that buzz that he had. You know when he started getting hot. Let's roll a second guy into this. Buying or selling Congo Kong, Rich? Uh, buy. I like Congo Kong. Okay, so they were co- sort of were developing their reputations at the same time on the indie scene as these two guys that were very much different from what you were seeing. They had different kinds of looks. They had different kinds of styles. Congo Kong continued to get buzzed. Falaba sort of fell off, and I don't know why. Maybe it was the places he was getting booked. I have no idea what he does for a living. Maybe he couldn't leave New Jersey. I don't know, but that's the deal with Falaba. I am buying Falaba. I think he's different enough to stand out and i think uh people will be uh fascinated with this guy when they see him on tv just for how different he is i'm also buying congo kong as well for the same reasons i think that's someone interesting to put on tv rich are you buying or selling kevin matthews oh selling yeah i gotta sell big Kev too. <laughs> sorry uh, this is a guy who famously and and well maybe infamously was uh negotiating with tna years ago and he got an email from i believe terry taylor saying that they were passing on him, despite the fact he had a good tryout, because he looked too much like Crimson. <laughs> and they didn't want two Crimsons on the roster. Um, Rich, I don't know if you've seen Kevin Matthews. I mean, he very, very, I mean, it, it's just, you really have to stretch things to say that he looks like Crimson. I don't know. I don't think those two men look alike myself. Other than they're both six foot four white guys, I, I don't, I, you know, that are somewhat in shape. I, I don't know, but that's what happened with Kevin Matthews years ago. But uh, he has been brought in, and we are both selling. Rich, are you buying or selling Magnus returning to TNA? Uh, can I? Uh, I'm gonna sell again. 
Look, yeah, Mag- I, Magnus doesn't do much for Magnus, me. Sorry, Magnus does nothing for me. I, he never has. I can't stand the guy. I think he's dry as a bone. Uh, I too am selling Magnus. He's, will, will he be coming in as Global Force champion? Though is the big story. That is the big story. He is a friend of Jarrett, so uh, obviously that's a connect, and that's going to be a, a bit of a theme here. Not for all of them. Uh, a lot of the indie guys, like your Falabaz and your Kevin Matthews and your Congo Kongs, these are connections Jarrett made with the Global Force gimmick. And uh, and look, these are going the database. Remember the database the thing was fifteen thousand deep. At the one database, point, so. yes. And it's finally, tab dusting off the database to get it going. But when you're talking about people like this, these are guys who are sort of those next level, mid level to to smaller indie level guys who don't realistically have an opportunity to go to WWE. This is these are good opportunities for these guys. I'd jump all Absolutely. over this if I were these guys to get you know and to try to latch on. These are the kind of guys who are going to take a, a, a per appearance deal and, uh, you know, for decent money and, and give up 10% of their indie bookings and come in cheap. And that's what Anthem needs to do. They need to bring in these guys on the cheap to fill out their TV. Look, a lot of these guys aren't going to be long term solutions. But, Rich, like we alluded to w- with the comparison we made earlier, when a, when, a, when, a, when a sports team is rebuilding, very rarely do you have your long-term solutions on the roster at the beginning of the rebuild. You're filling out your roster with cheap talent to get you through the tough times while you're digging deep and searching for your more permanent solutions later. And that's all that's happening here. Uh, Matt Morgan is rumored to be. Oh, God, I couldn't. I cannot sell enough. Another friend. Sell, sell, sell. (laughs) Jack Swagger could potentially pop up. The connection there being that his boy, um, Dutch Mantell, who did appear at the tapings today is there and uh, they are tight in real life, supposedly in addition to being an on-screen act. Are you buying or selling Jack Swagger? Uh, I would buy for sure. If, All in if he shows up, I'm buying as well. I think he was severely underutilized in WWE. And be- the best thing about Swagger is he feels, it seems like he's motivated. If you've read his comments and I like what I'm hearing from him, he's saying he wants to go to Mexico. He wants to go to Japan He'll fight in a cage if, if people pay him. Enough. This is a guy who's dying, chomping at the bit to prove himself outside of WWE. I feel like he's going to be more Cody Rhodes and less Ryback, if you know what I mean by that. Cody Rhodes made all the right moves in all the right places. He's motivated, despite what you think of his matches. He's a top indie star. He's marketed himself well. He puts in the effort. Meanwhile, you have Ryback, who thinks he's a bigger star than he is. He's demanding unrealistic uh, uh, draws from promoters, and he never gets work, okay? Right. It was Sandow before he went to TNA. I mean, Sandow was, you know, everybody was making the big deal about Sandow. He had about three weeks of bookings and then was doing nothing and signed with TNA. And, and yeah, there, there's those two different paths that a lot of guys will go. I, I, I'm 100% on Swagger going more of the Cody Rhodes path. I, yeah, I, I, I think he's a total can, Cody Rhodes. I, yeah, I could see it, too. And I could see him being a guy that just kind of that, – that, that takes pride in his work, too. And that's a big thing about it, too, a guy that really prides himself on, on – on what he does in the ring. And those are the guys that usually will go out there and, and, and go out there and really hustle and, and do those sort of things. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the other part too is guys do that hustle for a little bit. And then sometimes it's a shock to the system, especially guys that have only been in that system. So I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, I, I, I'm buying that he's going to be a little bit more of the Cody Rhodes and he's going to be a little bit more of the, but you know, you know a few trips to an indie locker room and he might go, Jesus, I don't know if I need this. Like you have no idea, but um, I, I'm guessing that he, he's going to be more of the Cody Rhodes than the, than the Ryback or the Sandow or, or those other guys. My gut says he'll do well. My gut says everyone's yeah. going to try to book him. Um, I think he'd be a great fit for new Japan. I think he would do well there. Um, I don't think any of the other Japanese, pro- I see people saying he should go to all Japan or no other problem is I don't think those groups could afford him. 
Um, again, like we kind of talked about Matt Hardy, you're a better fit for some places than you are for others. You have more value. To, I think he'd have more value for New Japan than he would for some of these other places. Yeah, but I'm buying on him. I think Swagger's going to do great. I really do. Sandow may have been an example of option C. I don't think Sandow wanted to work. I, I mean, I think Ryback wants to work, but he just wants too much money and he doesn't understand the lay of the land. You know what I mean? I don't think Ryback understands... Well, at what point does Ryback adjust his his, his payout? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's where I don't know that he necessarily wants to work because if you really wanted to, you might bump that down a little. That's bit, true, right? but I also think he's taking advice from Pat Buck, sort well. of out on an island and just on his <laughs> super agent. Pat he Buck. just doesn't understand. You know what I mean? Like Pat Buck is not not the Scott Boris. Look, Pat the, Buck's uh... an excellent promoter. I will always say that, but Pat Buck doesn't have his finger on the pulse of what's hot. He does his own thing and he does well with it, but Pat Buck is not sort of in that loop of, you know what I mean? And that's the advice Mm, that Ryback is taking. So, you know, Sandow, I don't think he wanted to work. He gained weight. He was out of shape. He wasn't taking bookings. And I think what happened with him is is TNA just threw a bunch of money at him and he was like, well, shit, I can't turn this down. (laughs) Right. You know, so then he got back in shape because if you remember, when he well, was, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. About well, he is that. now he's in decent shape now. But remember, he had uh, that yeah. big belly and people were like body shaming him. And I was like, listen, this guy's been in, the, in and out of the WWE system for like a decade. OK, spending time in the gym, watching what he eats. I don't blame the guy for going home and eating a pizza. OK, after he finally gets out of there, you know, what I mean? I think I would do the same thing, you know, but but yeah. So let's see who we leave off on. OK. Mario Bakura. Are you buying or selling Mario Bakura? Uh, Former. Uh, let me try to sell you on him. How about that? Yeah, let, 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 I, I'm, I'm, I, I can be sold, so let, let's go. Former PWS world champion Mario Bakura. Now a WrestlePro superstar Mario Bakura. He does a Croatian, like, uh, Mirko Krokop gimmick, Mario Bakura. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm buying him. He's different. He's unique. I'm buying it. Let's do it. You may be more familiar with uh, now. Mario Bakura has never has been about as close to Croatia as I've been. Okay, <laughs> but he used to be known as now he's an indie veteran. He was known as Mo Sexton. Were you familiar with Mo Sexton? I was not familiar with Mo Sexton. No, I, I, I knew I know Mario Bakura from our many uh, discussions of him. But, Jersey uh, All Pro, Mo Sexton. No, nothing. I think no, you might have heard well. of him. Okay, but yeah, Mario Bakura coming in. I tell you what. I'll buy it. I'll buy that. I don't think he's any kind of super worker, but I'm buying Mario Bakura. Here's a guy who's been a wrestler since like the early aughts. I think he, his career started in like 2001 or something. It's just a good opportunity. I bet he's hungry. You know, I bet if you put him on TV, he's going to work real hard and try to make something of this. Uh, Garza Jr. Are you buying or selling Lucha? Um, I'll buy that. Different, unique, you know, new talent, kind of new to the, the, the American, you know, mainstream scene or whatever. So, yeah, I'll buy him. I'll buy that as well. And to tie in his pal, independent star and also a luchador. He works a lot in the United States. Are you buying or selling Laredo Kid? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, me too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, me too. Me. I think that's that's he's a good addition as well. Uh, are you buying or selling ODB? <laughs> nah, I'm going to sell on that. I'm going to lump her in because she's worked exactly one match in TNA since 2014. She worked one one-off match earlier this year or last year, I believe. Uh, so I'm putting her in as a return. You're selling ODB. You're not a fan of ODB. I'm going to sell ODB, unfortunately. Yeah, sorry. I like ODB. I think she's always been underutilized. I'm going to buy on ODB. Uh, Rich, are you buying or selling Reno Scum, Adam Thornstow, and Luster the Legend? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely buy. I like both guys. 
I'm buying too. I think Adam Thornstow is one of the most underrated guys on the Indies. I think what hurt has hurt his career more than anything else is being based in Las Vegas. I believe he's based in Las Vegas anyway. He's a West Coast guy. Nobody wants to fly him in. If you remember a couple years ago, WrestleMania weekend, he won that King of Indies tournament and he looked tremendous in doing so. Uh, but he won that for again for his home promotion. It didn't translate into East Coast bookings or Midwest bookings, which is really what you need to get to sort of, uh, you know, the, the West Coast. You just, you don't get that buzz uh, working on the West Coast. And, uh, but I think Thornstow's very underrated. I like them as a tag team. That's another global force connection that Jarrett brought in. Uh, they had a couple of tryouts at Ring of Honor, but again, I, you know, I'm assuming it's their location that burned them there. I'm buying too. I think uh, they won their match tonight at the taping. Spoiler alert. Um, so, you know, and so did Laredo Kid and Gar- I'll say this about the tapings, Rich. All, a lot of these people I'm naming who worked the tapings won their matches. I think that's right, a positive. Right. Mm-hmm. I do too. Because you're going to bring in these new faces. Push them. Push the new faces. What do you have to lose? The old faces put you out of business. Okay? They're not major losses if they walk. And they don't need to win matches now because they put you out of Push the new people. What can it hurt? Uh, Rachel Elring buying or selling Rachel. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I'll buy. I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of her work. I, and, and admittedly, I haven't seen a ton of it. So, so I can't really speak too much on her work, but, uh, just a different face, a new face, a, a, a unique, you know, and that's the thing that's, that's anybody that I'm going to buy here is basically somebody that is fresh to the audience and isn't horribly awful like again i I, you know i don't really think kevin matthew's any good or whatever but like the other people that i'm buying are people that that you know even if i'm not a huge fan of their work or whatever them being unique and fresh and different and new is enough for me to buy because i think that's that's the key to impact and and that's gonna be the key to them moving forward is that the product that they you know present in the ring should be different should be fresh should be new and should have some new faces because as you said if the old faces butch out of business why the fuck not try some new ones i mean these guys might not do anything either but you know spinning your wheels isn't going anywhere so so try something different so yeah i'm, I'm in on rachel i'll buy that and the final name i have here and they may have been more again we are recording this during the tapings are you buying or selling kc quinn i know nothing of KC. i have quinn, no but, idea uh, who that is I, I saw a picture so and that's that's as much as i know of uh, kc quinn so i'll I'll, uh, I'll buy because I, I i don't know anything about her uh, so. she looked um attractive if that matters to you i don't know um i know nothing about her supposedly it's a local florida wrestler uh, i don't know where jared dug this one up from but the database damn it i, I guess he has a binder full it, of women are you saying it's huge yeah well geez see the mitt romney of professional wrestling is, is it comparable <laughs> to the binder full of women yeah i don't know i know nothing about her um I, th- there's very little information i wonder if bad boy casey michaels is on the case um, I, let me see if he's tweeted anything about her while we're talking. I, because if anybody knows who it is, it would be him. Yeah. He'd, he'd have like 10 pictures about her and have a post ready to go from weeks ago that already knew that, <laughs> that she was coming in or something like that is usually what, uh, bad boy. Casey Michaels is reporting that oh, it's Michael, by the way, not Michaels. I don't know why I always call him Casey Michaels. His last name is Michael. I'm botching the poor guy's last name here. Um, Santana Garrett, he's reporting is at the, uh, tapings as well. Uh, are you buying or selling Santana Garrett? Uh, I, yeah, I, she's solid. I'll buy it. Uh, Leva Bates to appear at upcoming oh. TNA tapings. Are you? Uh, I'll, I'll sell on that because yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> Everybody loves her, and uh, I'm, I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna sell that one. Unfortunately, people are gonna get mad though. Here we go. Let's see. Um, she plays dress up, and that's really you know. Oh, wow, cool. Wore a hat, and that hat resembles a hat that a famous superhero wore. Wow. 
She's cosplaying Joe. I'm not a fan of the cosplay. She doesn't even do it well. That's the look, problem. Look, she's, like... look, she's carved out a nice niche for herself. I'll say. I don't know why. I mean, like... She gets booked. I, I don't understand. Go to, go to your local. I, there was a fucking, there was a Comic-Con across the street from me last week. Literally across the street from me. I got some sweet wrestling figures, uh, including, I, I wanted to get the a- AWA thumb wrestlers, but they were like 25 bucks. So I passed on that. Let someone else get them. But um, there was like, you know, 15 year olds that probably had better, you know, overall, you know, you can hire one of them to wrestle at your show too. If that's really all you're going for is, Oh my God. She looks like Harley Quinn. Oh my God. Like, oh, like, cool. like, like every female under the age of 25 this past Halloween. Exactly. Yeah. Like if, if you really want someone to like wrestle really badly and, and meet, like kind of look like Harley Quinn, you could just, I, I, across the street, I had like six or seven people that I could have had to come up. How about her but. Joanna Ryan act at wrestle? <laughs> when she did the dick flip, despite the fact she doesn't have a dick. Did you enjoy that one? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you what she was over like crazier but here's the, i don't get yeah i mean but here's the, the thing, thing is, but is, here's the thing everyone's over like the wrestle circus crowds are so hot i mean you know like no people like her i i and and, and it's, I, people are gonna take it as me like I, i'm bashing her because i don't find it interesting at all in right. any way shape or form but people enjoy it like i don't know people fucking love the blue pants thing i i don't okay like i don't get it but if if, if it's over and she gets booking go for it i mean hey she, as you said she carved out a nice niche and people enjoy it, so so go for Casey it. Casey Michael has nothing on Casey Quinn other than just retweeting that she was there, no information. Um, so I don't know. This is a this is Jarrett digging deep, man, because uh Look at that database, man. No one knows anything about Casey Quinn. Okay, so that's that's Impact the Reborn, and the tapings are going on as we speak. Um, the last I saw was the big title match between Del Rio and Lashley. That's when we started to record. I assume they're doing more than one episode of TV, right? I mean, I I, I only saw. Yeah, I think over the next few days. I think. Oh, doing the next few days. Okay, so that might have been it for tonight, anyway. Then. Possibly. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not looking anymore either because I don't want to, uh, you know, stop while we're recording well, I, this. I can or, tell or, you or, that. They're... Well, I can tell you this. I can tell you that Casey Quinn, Rachel Elring. Reno Scum, ODB, Alberto Del Rio, Laredo Kid, Garza Jr. all did debut on the first night of the tapings, 100%. The other names that we named have not yet. I haven't seen any okay. of the PWS crew, or I, I should say, PWS Rich no longer exists. It's now the, uh, did you see what they changed to? Um, uh, they are now a, uh, a, like a tits and ass volleyball league of some sort. Yes. Yeah. I saw their Facebook changed to like the super babes volleyball league. Yes. It was called something. Ba- I know babes is in the title and volleyball was in the title. And I have no idea what other words were uh, in between. Yeah, those, but... and It's described as like risque volleyball, or <laughs> the horny man okay. or something. Yeah. I don't know what the hell is going on, but uh, yeah. So you, you know, wrestle pro won the war which was a big topic of conversation on this show many years ago, the WrestlePro uh, PWS war. But uh, Pat Buck and WrestlePro have won. Eric Pleska and PWS are now doing, um, I don't know, TNA volleyball. The, the equivalent of Foxy boxing, but volleyball. I don't know what's going on. I, the lingerie. Have you ever watched any lingerie football league I did, uh, games? I, yeah. I, I did not. Um, did Summer Rae do lingerie football? Oh, she did. Yeah, yeah. But I think, but I think that um, the only I think he's using wrestlers to play these volleyball like female. Oh, the only one oh, pictured okay. was Missy Sampson. So I look. I don't know. <laughs> we will not be covering. I'm that, sure I'm she's sure. a nice girl, but if I'm marketing TNA volleyball, I don't know if Missy Sampson's who I'm putting front and center. I you know what I mean I don't. I, but I don't know what's going on with that. I have no idea. But yeah, so yeah, the the former PWS slash WrestlePro crew 
uh, has not debuted yet. Maybe it's, I didn't realize this was multiple day tapings. I thought they were doing one marathon. Yeah, I'm almost positive. And don't quote me, but I'm, I'm almost positive as we're recording this, that they are, um, or at least they're doing a ton of episodes today, but I thought they were coming back tomorrow as well to do some stuff. But uh, I, I have no idea exactly, or I, I don't know 100% uh, that that is what's going on. But uh, it's interesting to see, though. Um, and I think one of the things that, that, that people are going to have to adjust with a little bit and as we're watching the spoilers again, and this, this entire segment was just a giant spoiler, so I hope that people didn't really care. But come on, it's CNA at this point. And, and, but one thing that they're doing with this approach, and, and people I saw criticizing already when they're bringing in a Bruce Pritchard, when they're having guys come up and, and, and talk about, oh, that old... That old Dixie Carter shit was terrible and it sucked and it was awful. And now this is the new thing and, you know, make TNA great again or make Impact Wrestling great again, which is literally, I think, what they said at one point and, and some other things where people are looking at that and, and looking at a negative light as well. And, and, and I agree that's probably not the way I would go. I wouldn't necessarily say, yeah, all that shit you watched before really sucked and now it's going to be good. But I, I think the concept of bringing in a guy like a Bruce Pritchard, like bringing in some other guys that, that, that are name value people or, or people that. You know, I, and I'm 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 usually the person that says don't bring in the old WWE talent, don't do that. You know, do something new, do something unique, be different or whatever. But I think in ring, if you can do that, if you can sort of, in a way, say, okay, you're going to watch the show and you're going to see guys that you're familiar with in terms of authority roles or or, or announcers or whatever, you're going to see those. But then the wrestlers are going to be unique and different and new and, and and take a different approach or whatever. To me, that's I'm okay with that because I think that's a good plan to to go with as opposed to being like, yeah, here's here's a wrestler that you saw in WWE that was no good in WWE, but now he's you know kind of good here or whatever. You know that we always talk about that when, when a, a Sandow would come in and he would sort of put down what he did before and oh well yeah whatever you know I'm I'm here now whatever you know it's not the people do that they would kind of put down where they are now they would put down tna and okay now i'm in here and you know i used to be in WWE and i used to do this and i think that is a horrible approach to go i think starting with new talent in ring and having authority people or having outward faces that are familiar is not a bad idea at least something to try i mean you can't go scorch earth and just have nobody that anybody recognizes because that's not going to work you got to have something you have to have some connection to get people to start watching. And if it's, if it's paying or, or, you know, per deals or, or paying, you know, per date deals for old WWE talent or Bruce Pritchard or Jeff Jerry, you know, those sort of guys, I'm okay with that versus paying a bunch of money for some ex WWE guys other than Del Rio, of course, as we, we saw with Rich, him. So, Rich, but I, I like that approach. This is the, the faces at this taping are not the faces that Jeff Jarrett envisions taking TNA forward. And no, team. this is total transition. This is, two, this is the 2013 Chicago Cubs, not the 2016 Chicago. Cubs. Right. Come because, Oh, you like the Bruce Pritchard podcast. Well, cool. Watch this show. Oh, you like Adam Thornstone. Cool. Stay around now. He's going to be here for a while type thing like that. You know, that that's, that's a good and, approach. And Bruce Pritchard, you know, I was surprised. He's not going to have any kind of official. He's just an on screen. He's on. Yeah, right, right, right. And you know, what's a little scary is they're bringing him on because of the success of his podcast. And it's a very successful podcast. It's, you know, top 10 overall on iTunes, not just wrestling shows, but what I find interest, or at least it was one of the weeks. Uh, what I find interesting though, is, uh, uh, who's this? Who's the guy? Who's the host? Conrad Thompson, right? Uh, Conrad Thompson, yeah. So uh, he was the guy who was hosting with Flair, and then Flair quit, and then he was hosting a show. I guess I think he's doing one with Tony Schiavone. He's doing one with Pritchard. Yeah, he was, he, he did start one with uh, Schiavone. So so he posted the numbers because the idea was 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 Jarrett was impressed with the numbers the podcast was doing. He's trying to he like we're not being facetious here. They're trying to draw Bruce Pritchard's podcast listeners. <laughs> they are. It's true. But they posted the numbers, and the shows are doing, you know, like a, around 100,000 listens per show, okay? I mean, that's a little scary that they, they're trying to draw from that pool. But the idea being if you can capture all 125,000 people that listened to, to, to uh, Pritchard's show last week, 
you know, you're not going to convert all of those in the viewers, but maybe they get half of them. Maybe they get a quarter of them. But in the grand scheme, you're talking about like 25,000 people, maybe who you're going to, I mean, that's a little scary that those are the depths they're sinking. And that's nothing against, I don't know Bruce Pritchard. I don't care about Bruce Pritchard, but I mean, just, you know, it, you know, it's not like this, this podcast is doing 3 million listens a week. It's doing like a hundred, hundred, hundred twenty five thousand listens a week. I mean, Rich, how soon before we get booked on uh TNA? I mean, give me I'm a waiting. break. It's through there. You know, they're doing, well. I'll buy some global force gold. I'll do whatever it's you need. Certainly more successful than this show, but I mean, but, but not by multiples of, uh, you know, you know, not by, you know, a hundred fold. I mean, you know, right. It's just, I, I don't know. That just struck me as a little odd. Yeah, and they, they have passionate fans. I, I listen to the show. I'm actually a pretty big fan of the show. And they they, uh, they did some campaigns where they had a bunch of people review them and stuff. And that's how they kind of jumped up the iTunes charts as well. They, they got, you know, 2,000 iTunes reviews. They have a loyal fan base, too. They buy a bunch of T-shirts and stuff, too. So they, they, I get it. From Jared's standpoint is that even though they're only 250 or whatever or 150 or whatever it is, they're loyal people that will convert. They, they buy a bunch of T-shirts. They like to do reviews. They kind of listen to what these guys say. So if they say, Hey, come watch impact that we're doing some good things. The hope is that you, you get, you know, half those people or even a quarter of those people to give it a try. And, and maybe they like something they hang around or whatever. But like you said, it's, it's shot in the dark type stuff that they're doing. And, and if it's low cost and, and whatever, I mean, if you can grab those people that that's kind of where we're at with TNA, unfortunately, it, it's kind of, it's, it's a unique approach that they're taking, but we'll, we'll see how it works out. You know who else takes a unique approach? Dollar Shave Club takes a unique approach to razors, Rich. There's no reason to use a cheap disposable razor or pay a ridiculously high price for some gimmicky thing that's got a laser pointer with 17 blades. That's the first time that I've read that copy, that first set. That's a tricky sentence, and I always botch it. That's the first time I nailed it. Make the smarter choice and join Dollar Shave Club like we did. Me and Rich. Dollar Shave Club is the best of both worlds. A premium shave at a disposable price. Get a close, smooth shave every time. If you haven't tried Dollar Shave Club yet, you're missing out. It's an amazing shave at an affordable price. There's no smarter choice on the market. And right now, they're giving away one month trial of any of their razors, including the executive, which I use, for $1 with free shipping. After that, it's just a few bucks a month. There's no long-term commitments. There's no hidden fees. You cancel whenever you want. Get your $1 trial, a real dollar, no shipping, no hidden cost, at dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. Next topic, Observer Awards. People are going mental as they are apt to do. When it comes to the <laughs> Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Or anything. Words. It's Twitter. It's anything. We'll make them go nuts. Which we're talking about in March. I think that's number one. <laughs> um, now, now yes. I listen, people are all over Dave. Normally, these are out, what, the end of January? Maybe. January, because that's when our, our first show was. Yeah, that's the, right. Uh, the end, end of January of, what, 2012? Yes, because it was the 2011 awards, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so people are were, have been on Dave's case. Look, his mother's been sick. You know, I mean, I think Dave has been, you know, he's he's mentioned that his mother's been sick and he's been visiting her a lot. He's kind of been blaming it on big stories that are popping up every week. But I think this stuff with his mother is taking more of a toll than, than he would like. Because he doesn't want to blame it on that. You know what I mean? So I think it's, he's sort of passing it off on these big stories or whatnot. Um, you know, but it's out now. So it's finally out. It's March. If you notice, he didn't do the write-ups though. He was kind of just bare bones. Here's, here's how the voting came out. Here's the previous winners. Here's the, um, here's the, uh, honorable mentions, but normally he gives a little paragraph on each award. He skipped that this year. So clearly Dave is still overworked. He's still, uh, 
Uh, yeah, but I don't think I think he felt like he couldn't push it any further. Is basically what happened. So we'll run through these. We'll run through every one of them. Yeah. Um, we're not going to give them. I mean, we used to do a full. I was going to say three hour show, but in those days we had as long as we wanted. I mean, we would do like a four hour show for this and just comb over everything with a fine tooth comb. We're not going to do that this time. And quite honestly, first, I guess I should ask you, I kind of alluded to it in the beginning of the show, but I'm going to ask you, you know, I looked at these awards. Dave called this the smartest group of voters that he's ever had. And I looked over the awards. I have to tell you, there's only one award entirely on this entire thing that I have a, that I have a somewhat major gripe with. I think the voters did a tremendous job. And I look, I don't agree with every pick obviously. Um, but I agree with a lot of them and the ones that I don't agree with, I can see why that person won. I don't have a major problem with these. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of right with you. I mean, there's maybe two or three that I I have some minor gripes with or whatever, but for the most part, I mean, and, and you know, consistently on these Observer Awards, I, I tend to agree more than I disagree, but often it's a little closer to 50-50. It's, ah, you know, there's like 10 or 12 awards, and I'm kind of, this is, I mean, I, I was going up and down the list earlier to kind of think of the hot button ones that you and I can maybe talk about and go, oh my God, the voters were, and I, I, I'm really having trouble finding many, except, and there's, there's, like I said, maybe two or three that I have minor gripes with, one that I have a, a pretty big gripe with, but for the most part, I mean, I, I'm trying, but I, I'm not gonna be able to manufacture a ton of, like, outrage for who won different ones, because I thought they did a pretty good job, and 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 yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I really like this year's awards, and I think it does a great job uh, of encapsulating what to me was representative of the year of pro wrestling. I don't think they missed anything, you know, obvious. I don't think any glaring, you know, company or any glaring wrestler was just completely overlooked. I think every, I mean, if a snapshot of 2016, I don't know that you can find a better one than, than this Observer Award. You, I you thought na- they did a great you job. You just nailed it. I think this is a perfect snapshot of 2016, even though uh, I don't have any major gripes. I'm not going to sit here. You're not going to get Joe Lanza screaming and yelling about any of these because I don't think any of them warrant it. And I think every year there are at least a couple where I'm like, what the fuck were people thinking? And I just don't see that this year. Um, I think with these awards, awards uh this year more than anything i think there's a lot now there's still a lot of people super upset i mean like very fucking upset but i think what these awards tell you is it really shines a light for me and i'm trying to word this as diplomatically as possible um the these particular awards really shine a light that a lot of the detractors of certain people or a lot of the uh, people who are fans it really it's like some of those niches are are just louder then they are realistically influential. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's like, and I guess we can weave that in as we go along, but these awards sort of are confirmation that, you know, it's, it's like, you know, some things matter and some things just don't, whether people like it or not. Um, but yeah, and just as a little preface, we, we do not do MMA on this show. We know these awards are littered with MMA. Conor McGregor won everything. Um, so we tend to ignore that and just go to the highest placing pro wrestling finisher in those categories. I, you know, we say it every year, but I just, I, I personally think it's crazy that we're still mixing award categories. I understood it in 1999. I agreed with it in 1999. I do not agree with it or understand it in 2017, but it is what it is. Dave is never changing that. And, and we just going to have to deal with it. Um, Rich. AJ Styles swept the Luthez Ric Flair Award for Wrestler of the Year and the Most Outstanding Wrestler. I do not have a gripe with this. I think he's a worthy recipient of both, even if I wouldn't have necessarily voted for him for either. I have no problem with him winning both of them. Uh, this was AJ Styles' year. He had a great year. Um, do you have any beef whatsoever with AJ sweeping 
these awards? I, I don't. I might have. I, I think my wrestler of the year was going to be Okada, uh, and he came in second, uh, relatively close actually to, to, to AJ. But um, I mean, relative. I mean, AJ ran away with it. I mean, when I say relatively close, I mean not not really that close. But uh, um, yeah, but oh, most outstanding, I think was him. Uh, I was going to go him or Chris Hero for the most outstanding. So I have no gripes with this. I mean, Styles would have been my two in, in, in wrestler of the year and probably would have won my most outstanding or been second there. So I, I have no gripe with him. And I think it absolutely, as we said, a snapshot of 2016, AJ Styles being the best in the world at, 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 in both categories, both in ring and, and, and just, you know, pub wise and, and the rest of the year. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm totally okay with AJ Styles doing it. And I think what was awesome, uh, Sean Cedar actually tweeted this out earlier, uh, our Ring of Honor writer and, and columnist here at, at Voice of Wrestling, that AJ Styles, think about this, two straight years, Wrestler of the Year, two different companies. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, two different companies where, I mean, yeah, of course, he had, you know, one match in New Japan or whatever, but, like, that's just the run that this guy has been on, man. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> the past two years that this guy's been on, but I have no no gripe with that. No, I, I really have a gripe with the top five of either of I don't have list. a gripe I, with I, a top ten of either. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm really going down the list, it. and yeah, and like even the first place votes, I mean, you got Styles, of course, who, who won, Okada second. Uh, this is for rest of the year, by the way, Luthez, Ric Flair. Uh, Naito third, uh, Kenny Omega fourth, Kento Miyahara fifth, you know, Hiroshi Tanahashi sixth. Maybe that a little bit I'd have a gripe with, but but even then, that's not the worst. Chris Hero seventh, Valdor Jr., Kevin Owens and Shinsuke Nakamura. I mean, that's pretty good top ten, and then the, the most outstanding is right there too. Especially the top five. I mean, the the top four. I mean, it's 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 really hard to gripe. You could no, the top five is perfect. It's exactly how I would have voted it. I mean, maybe the order would have been a little different, but that's my top five too. Yeah, I mean, Styles, Okada, Naito, top three for Flair Thez. I mean, they're, they're really to me, there was no one else really to vote for. To be completely honest, I mean, those were... actually, you know, when I look at the most outstanding, that's my top five for the most outstanding too. Yeah, I mean, let me run that one down. It was it <laughs> yeah. came out Styles, Omega. Omega, Okada, Chris Hero, Will Ospreay. Uh, now let me stop with the top five. I mean, by end, by I mean, let's face it; those five guys were the best wrestlers this year. I think the voters really fought. Those were the five best wrestlers in the world this year. I really believe that. I think they really nailed it with those top five. And then you look at the next five: Tomohiro Ishii, uh, Tetsuya Naito, Io Shirai, Matt Riddle, and Kushida. I mean, come on! I have no gripe with that. Pretty good, yeah. That's really fucking great job by the voters. I mean, you know, you, and like I said, you can quibble. Maybe you think Hero had a better in-ring year than Styles. Look, I wouldn't fight with you if he won either, but I'm not going to fight about AJ Styles winning the most outstanding or the Flair Thez. I can't do it. I think he's a worthy pick for both. And it's interesting that he swept, and I'll tell you what, he just keeps padding that Hall of Fame resume. Rich, I'm voting for this guy the first chance I can get. He's a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think uh, you know, sweeping these awards this year and what turned out to be maybe his signature year, and who knows – he doesn't look like he's slowing down. He could have two or three more years like this. I could see. Well, and that's that's the greatest thing about about, about Styles, and 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 I, I tweeted out months ago about it. Is go through this guy's career. I mean, think of the style that AJ Styles has wrestled, and think of the years that he has on his. I mean, this guy goes. You can date back to 1999 with him if you want. I mean, 2001 was was when he debuted with WCW or whatever. 2001. It's 2017. He's never had a major injury. The guy's unbelievable. What he can do. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and he works that style. It's not like he's slowing down. It's not like he, it's not like in next year, you're like, well, geez, he's really got to reel it in a little bit. I mean, the guy's more nuts than he's ever been. And, <laughs> and, like, the com- and, and more importantly, and maybe most importantly, the company has shown a willingness to push him, which is important yeah. for these sorts of things. Remember when we were talking all the various times that there was a possibility he was coming to this company, our concern would he would, would be that they weren't going to push him. And, you know, what can you do? It's hard to really stand out as a WWE mid Carter. But they've shown that they consider him a top guy. They view him as a top guy. I mean, his talent is 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 so much that 
look what everything he has working against him. Size, TNA stigma, um, 40 years old, and Vince McMahon still believes in this guy and pushes him. Southern draw too. You're forgetting that. Yeah, exactly. The I mean, Vince hates that. I mean, he wants he he tells people to go to classes to get rid of that. That's four huge things he has <laughs> working against him that historically are things that work against you in that company. And he has it usually only takes one. He's got four of them, and that just goes to tell you, this guy's talent yep. is universally right. Even Vince McMahon pushes this guy to the. Joe, it's almost like the cream rises to the top. I know on this podcast, it's been uh, something we've mentioned many times. But when some some guys are just so overwhelmingly talented that you cannot you deny cannot it. Cannot deny absolutely. And I am right. a firm believer in that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other thing I wanted to bring up: Okada finishing second for Flair Thez and finishing third for Most Outstanding. Rich, I want to pose a question to you, and this is sort of what I alluded to at the top, which I probably didn't phrase uh, clearly or properly. Do you think we spend too much time? Do you think we waste too much time talking about Okada's detractors? Because yep. something like this <laughs> tells you that they're in a very clear minority. They're lost. They don't know what they're talking about. And they're just clearly off base with this guy because most people recognize that this guy is really fucking awesome. Do we waste too much time? We do. I on, often on think a, that. Yeah. On a dozen Twitter dopes who mm-hmm. just don't like the guy and aren't fair about him. Or And look, and that's not fair. Look. If you don't think he's a guy, I get it. But what I am saying is you're clearly in a very tiny minority, and sometimes we're all in a tiny – Rich, there isn't a single person listening to this or a single person on this podcast, me or you too, by the way, who in some way or form don't fall into a small minority on a wrestler or a promotion or a match or whatever it is. Do we spend too much time on these people in this t- in what is proven to be a tiny minority – who do, do not like Okada. Yeah, I, I think we do. And I think this might be a good time to, to, to now seeing these results and seeing, you know, it, it, to say, put it to bed. Okay, there's no more argument anymore. We've done it. Right, exactly. We wrote the book on it. You did the research on it. We got, I mean, we've, we've done as much as we can about this and it's been proven out in this thing too. I mean, there's no other argument to make. The guy, it, the, you know. The bottom line is people, <laughs> people think he's great. Is the bottom Right. Line. And guess who, guess who they also think is great? Tetsuya Naito, who's third here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's third in, in Wrestler of the Year, and he's seventh in Most Outstanding. They're both great. They could both be great. It doesn't. Yeah, it's... Like, the, it's, the it's, idea that it's one or the other. They, they, they didn't... No, they're fine. And they didn't... You know, people can like both and, and enjoy both and understand that what... what the importance that both bring to the business and, and new Japan understands that too. So yeah, I, I think we can finally put that. to yeah, bed. I'm just saying it's, a, and there's more awards here coming up. I mean, yeah, yeah. Just speak absolutely. to the idea that, um, you know, a lot of these, these, these quote, these debates we have, we're just we're arguing with like it's such a small fraction of, of amount of people. It just, it just, it just doesn't seem like it's worth it. Uh, but yeah, so I, I thought these two awards uh, up and down the two most important awards in my opinion, two most interesting awards. And, and, and I, I, man, I really think that they were, everyone got their proper due. They really did. Um, I'll stoke the fires a little rich though. What do you make of Naito finishing all the way down at seventh for most outstanding? When I look at the <laughs> um, ahead of him, I don't have a beef with it though. No. Yeah. And, and my thing with Naito has always been, and I, I, I like Naito, the character, and I, I understand Naito's importance of the business, but for me, you know, in ring, you know, Naito's not had the greatest in ring year. I thought he had a, a few really good matches throughout the year, but I don't know that he was necessarily better than any of the guys that he's listed above. I mean, I might've had him even below, you know, a few of these other people. I mean, I might put Maradol over, over uh, Naito. And that's not to say I don't like Naito, but I think, you know, there was quite a few matches there where, you know, he was in big spots or main event spots and they didn't really kind of deliver to that same extent. 
but he's also had just a, a real good top level matches as well. I mean, of course, uh, Wrestle Kingdom had a fantastic one. Um, you, you know, G1 Climax that's that's a good one there. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm fine with that. It's, I think it's okay. Like, I there's nobody on that. The, the, the AJ Styles, Omega, Okada, Hiro, Osprey, Ishii. I, I'm not bumping any of those guys out to put Naito above them. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought he was a stronger contender for Flair Thez than most outstanding. Exactly. If he yeah. would have won mm-hmm. Flair Thez, I'd have no problem with it. If he would have won most outstanding. No, and we, we were on this podcast saying that, yeah, that, that. That'd be fine. If he would have won most outstanding, I don't think I would have agreed. That I would I may have had a problem with. Um, because I do think at least five of the people ahead of him clearly had a better in-ring year than him. But if he would have won Flair Thez, I would have had no problem with it. If if And if Okada won either of the awards, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. Um, you know, so, um, that's anybody else hero here. If hero won most outstanding, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. So I don't know. I just, I thought those awards came out great. Uh, best box office draw. The only note that you have on the sheet is who cares <laughs> every year we have this discussion. Let's quickly have it again because we always have uh, new listeners. You hate this award. You don't think it should be voted on. Uh, you think it's just a tangible thing that, that doesn't require a vote. I disagree. I think that unless you can find me a definitive list of who draw exactly how many dollars that it is something that can be debated and can be discussed. Am I passionate about discussing the top draw? No, I am not. Conor McGregor was the winner. Uh, He obviously deserved it from a pro wrestling standpoint. The number one finisher was Brock Lesnar. Rich, I don't think Brock Lesnar was the top pro wrestling draw in 2016. No. <laughs> um, you know, realistically, it was probably John Cena who finished second. Technically, he finished fourth behind Nate Diaz. I would probably go Cena and then the two New Japan guys for this one. But um, I know you have no passion for it. Don't care. So <laughs> we will quickly move on to tag team of the year. Here's one. Uh, the Young Bucks uh, were the winner of tag team of the year. And I'll, I'll tell you, they won it. In, by a wider gap than I thought, they had 599 first place votes to the Revival's 323, and they had uh, well over four. They had about 1400 more total points than the Revival. Again, though, this is an award where if the Revival would have won it, I would have had no problem with it. If the Young Bucks won it, which they did, I would have had no problem with it. Here is the Young Bucks versus the Revival from my point of view, Rich. I think the Revival peaked higher than the Young Bucks did this year. But I think the Young Bucks probably had twice as many great matches than the Revival did. So it, it's what do you value? Because the Revival only made TV seven or eight times. And some of those were just, you know, NXT television. Match. Now, listen, when you put them on a takeover, they're having the match of the night or close to it. That's why I say they peak super high. The Young Bucks are going out there every single night on an indie show around the corner in New Japan, in Ring of Honor, in PWG, and they're fucking killing it and are having twice as many great matches as the Revival. That's why I don't have a problem with either one. It's just what you prefer. Yeah, I'm right with you on that. And I think it is. It's absolutely, you know, if you like the the high peaks or whatever, and and, and I do, and I probably would have voted Doss, uh, you know, Dash and, and Dawson for this award because I, I do like those high peaks. And I think those matches do stand out to me a little bit more than than what the Bucks did. But I, I'm if, if you wanted to say, hey, what the Bucks do it every goddamn night and they're, you know, their their baseline or their consistent baseline throughout the year is is higher than, than Dash and Dawson, then yeah, I'll, I'll buy that too. But I think either one of those are fine. And I think even a, a, a you know, a rogue vote for a Ciampa and, and Gargano would DIY would have been fine with me as well. I'd have been fine with any of those three, and those are the ones that went top three. I would have been fine, honestly, if you voted for the fourth team, too, which is uh, Sok- uh, Sakamoto and Okabayashi. If you want to want them um, as your top one, I'm, I'm fine with that. Cool. I, th- I-, I think any of those top four, I- I'd be cool with. I agree that they were the top team in Japan. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, not even close. 
Um, what I find interesting, and we talked about this at Match of the Year time, is how far America Alpha dropped. Remember the first half of the year? It was, it was neck and neck for Tag Team of the Year. Revival or American Alpha? And then American Alpha got called up to the main roster. <laughs> and everyone forgot about the matches they had with the Revival because the Revival went out there and had better matches yeah. with, with, uh, with Ciampa and Gargano, who ended up finishing third. And I, I think yeah, Our match of the year will show you that. I mean, they, they fell off a cliff. Those, those matches, matches I... got no support. No support. I went back and watched them. Like these matches they were, were fucking, fucking awesome. Great. Like yeah, you know. Just, and they fell all the way to seventh here behind yeah. Sekimoto Akabayashi, New Day, and even Ricochet and Matt Seidel, whose team was broken up by a prison stint. So uh, you know, I, it's you made a vacation in Hawaii. That's <laughs> what you meant to say. Oh yes, yes, of, of course. But... In lovely Hawaii, still. <laughs> yeah. I will leave sometime. I promise. There, there was a Seidel tweeting from Hawaii. Make no doubt, but it, I don't believe it was Matt. Um, but yeah, so I don't have a problem with the Bucks winning. I may have – look, I didn't vote either. Neither one of us actually voted this year because we were just so busy with match of the year and everything else. Um, and it's hard for me to like kind of retroactively figure out who I would have voted. You know what I mean? It's, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of had an idea in my mind. I, I scribbled down a, a, a bell, and then I ended up like the date passed, and I think I texted you, and I'm like, "When was the observer date?" And you're like, "Ah, oh, buddy, I think it was like a week ago." And I was like, oh, "Yeah, I just forget it then." Yeah, I just I lost completely. We had the New Japan book and everything else. It's yeah, just too much it, going I, on, and um, you know, plus we've had three months, actually four months worth of stuff that we've seen that you can't unsee that are going to influence you. But, but I probably I may have voted for the revival. I would have voted for the revival or the Bucks. The Bucks I think are still draws. They still sell a million T-shirts. I think if you factor that kind of thing into your voting, that's sure, another sure. feather in their cap. I don't think the revival mean anything to business. I mean they're you know they don't headline NXT right. I mean that's Nakamura. So um, you know I I don't know. I don't have a problem with it though. I thought the voting was fine. And and again a lot like the first two awards. I had no problem with the rest of the top 10 either. The top no, top 10 yeah, pretty good. Eight through 10, which we didn't mention, were, were the big guns, Zeus and the bodyguard, who had an excellent year. Io Shirai and Mayu uh, Iwatani. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and say I saw a bunch of their matches, but I did see a couple, uh, you know, uh, or at least one. I know I saw at least one. And, you know, those are, those are top-level female wrestlers. And then, of course, uh, Daniels and Kaz uh, finishing number 10. That's fine. You could have put a million different teams, 10. Who cares? Okay, here's the one award that I personally have a problem with. Ah, I do too. Okay, good. Most improved. Uh, Matt Riddle wins. I have a lot of problems with this, actually, but we'll start at the top of Matt Riddle. Okay, so my problem with this is not that Riddle won. My problem is the interpretation of what you're voting for here. To me, the award has always been interpreted as year-to-year improvement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not who improved over the course of the year. I heard Dave Meltzer on his audio defend the Riddle pick by saying that Riddle most certainly improved from November 2015 to November 2016. Yeah, that's never been what the award's about, though. That's never been the interpretation of the award either. I have never interpreted the award that way. To me, it was always... The voting has never interpreted it ex- that way either. No, exactly, which is why I have a problem with this, because he was a rookie. You can't improve from not existing, okay? I, that's my problem with this, and I got to be completely honest. Even if you interpret it the other way, improvement over the... I, I, don't, I still wouldn't have voted for him. Because Matt Riddle was always really fucking good. I mean, that's yeah. I was kind of surprised by that too. Even 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 if yeah, like you're saying, even if you even if you take the award at getting better over the course of the year, I mean, Matt Riddle was fucking awesome at WrestleMania weekend, and he was fucking awesome, you know, five months ago. Like he was just good. He's always been great. That's why he's a he's a no doubter for Rookie of the Year, but just a puzzling pick for most improved. Yeah, he went from really good to fucking awesome. I mean, even if you look at it from that perspective, I don't think that's that he should have won the award. I mean. 
And then you have The Miz finish in second, which... <laughs> For the eighth straight year. Which is absurd. I mean, this we're liter- Rich, this is now literally a decade because he won the award in 2008. <laughs> he Hold on. He won the award in 2009. He won it twice in a row, which is absurd. Back to back, yeah. So he's ridiculous. already he's already the greatest ever. So then he fit, he's placed in the top ten every year since. <laughs> I mean, okay, there were a couple there where he did, but I mean, at least three or four times since, and now he's finished, for the better part of the last decade. He's, he's been improving. 10. Yeah, twice so. he won it. Now he's finished in second. This guy's the greatest wrestler of all time by now. I mean, give me a fucking break. It's not physically possible to improve this much. The guy's been great for ten years. Can we stop pretending that he's that he that he that he's go that he's he's already he's been good for a decade? Stop! It's not my fault. You're late to the party. Okay, everyone was late to the party with the Miz this year. We all we knew he was good. Stop voting for him, please. This guy's better than Kenta Kabashi at this point. I mean, Christ, I don't understand. So yeah, I have a big problem with him finishing second. I have a big – and he only lost by, to Riddle. Think about this, Rich. He almost won again. He lost by six points. That's, that's <laughs> Three-time win. That's like a first-place vote and a third-place vote. He was a th- oh, first-place and third-place vote away from being a three-time winner. Most improved. <laughs> by definition, it's like, like you can't even – you can't win that award three times. I'm sorry. The only way you can win that award three times – is if you have like a suffer a devastating injury and then you're terrible for a while and then you get, but this is just a guy who's been consistently good for ten years. This is such utter bullshit. Okay, Juice Robinson who finished third, Zeus who finished fifth. Much- Juice would have been my pick, by the way. Who Zeus or Juice? Uh, no, no, uh, Juice. Juice. Juice Robinson, Sorry. because there you're talking about a guy who was very mediocre in 2015, and in 2016 he was legitimately really good. That is a good candidate for most improved. Same thing for Zeus. Zeus was the butt of jokes before 2016. Now he's considered a really good wrestler. Alexa Bliss finished fourth. I'm not seeing that one. I think I still think she stinks. I think all of Alexa Bliss's improvements were with character work. So if you want to use that angle, fine. I think she's a tremendous heel, but I still don't think she can wrestle. Um, Yoshihashi sixth. Again, bad pick. I just think he got pushed harder. He didn't get any better. He was good before. Yeah, he's been good for Pushed. a while. Kenny Omega seventh. <laughs> the seventy-six people who voted for him for most improved. We gotta send them a, a flash drive. No, with the two thousand eleven. Should be allowed to Kenny. vote. I mean, give me a break. It's either that or they're just ignorant and they never saw him before. That's what. Here's it is. A, here's I mean, a, you know who those seventy-six people were. They're New Japan fans who saw Chainsaw Kenny, and that was their only exposure to him ever when he was a junior, and then saw what he did last year. Or maybe remember him from Ring of Honor. Right. You know, Ring of Honor, Chainsaw, and then main eventing Wrestle Kingdom. They weren't aware that this guy was one of the best wrestlers in the world before he ever stepped foot in New Japan. And if you don't think we thought that, we got the tape to prove it. And, and, and believe me, we'll play it for you. Okay? We told you this was going to happen. And then it was uh, Charlotte, Braun Strowman, and Jeff Cobb. Again, Jeff Cobb, come on. The guy was great. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and Braun, Braun's a really good – I thought Braun would be way higher up there. I think Braun's, Braun's a big – Braun's a guy that you can absolutely look at. I mean, that was a, a raw piece of meat that they had. They had nothing with that, that guy. He had nothing. It was nothing. I mean, we're talking two years ago. The guy was an absolute zero and now has become, you know, a legit, you know, top, you know, tier guy on that company. Well, here's the thing. I, I disagree. I think Braun's a, a stronger candidate for this year for most improved. Uh, okay, yeah, I could buy that. This year, I think he's a, a probably the front runner. I would say to this point. I mean, I, I don't think. I, I mean, because he's he's had some he's had good matches with Mark Henry and Big Show. 
I mean, come on, that's not easy to do. Um, and he has looked good uh, on house shows. Um, so last year, though, I don't, I, you know, I didn't think much. Yeah, I, I guess this it is March, and I'm kind of, yeah, a lot of it has been built up since Royal Rumble. I, I, I suppose that the year I, I'd have to maybe go back and look at it. Well, I'm not going to because God forbid I'm going to go back and look at the year of Ron Show. Please don't. You're, last you year, yeah, please. I'm not going to waste time doing that. But he wasn't. In, um, he wasn't. Yeah, no, I, I, I could see that. I, I'd be interested to see how the voting goes this year. Yeah, because he, he would be a no doubter for me this year. Though. I think he's the front runner at this point. Interviews. Conor McGregor blew everybody out. But the top pro wrestling finisher was The Miz. I don't have a problem with that. No, that's fine. Um, he barely edged out. Now, here's the thing. He he only, you know, beat Jericho by a few points. But he had 106 first place votes to Jericho's 32. That means Jericho was on almost everyone's ballot. People who liked The Miz liked him a lot and voted him number one. But Jericho was on everybody's ballot is what that tells me. So uh, rounding it out, Owens, Heyman, Kenny Omega, uh, Dominic Cruz, MMA fighter, Enzo Amore, Matt Hardy. And Tetsuya Naito, I don't have a problem with any of that list. That list is fine. Um, most charismatic, again, Conor McGregor won all of the awards. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's just it's split the fucking awards. It's, it's, abs- <laughs> it's, it's nonsense, Rich. It's just it's, – it's not 1999 anymore. There's no more pride fighting championships. It's just – this is ridiculous. You don't have New Japan shows that have shoot fights on them. I mean, it's enough of this. Enough. It's ridiculous. Well, I mean, it, it undermines both – ends of it though because a guy like a dominic cruz who could be you know number two in most charismatic mma fighter is seventh and doesn't get really his due and then most charismatic you got conor mcgregor and and like he in a way doesn't get his due because he's kind of lumped in with these other wrestlers and the guys below it's just it's a mess please dave please nakamura one naito two omega three i have no problem with any of that it's hard to have a problem with that uh the best technical wrestler this was zach saber jr uh, he beat out Kyle O'Reilly by a pretty healthy margin. Uh, we had Kushida, Jack Gallagher, Marty Sp- Gallagher, Gallagher. Right, so I said Gallagher, uh, Marty Skrull, Matt Riddle, Drew Gulak, Chris Hero, AJ Styles, and Katsuyori Shibata. No issue. Again, I think no, this I'm is cool. just, I'm like, really that. awesome. I mean, where's the issue? People have these massive issues. They're boycotting the Observer. They're, they're, <laughs> I'm not kidding. There's people doing that. Uh, not- I've seen that. Yeah, and, and I guess the best technical. Some people are really, you know, this this random luchador guy. But from my standpoint, the, the, the main group of wrestling that I watch, and it's the same. I'm, I'm ignorant to, to luch and some other stuff. This would be my top ten, to be oh, honest. Uh, for, yeah, technical. I mean, in general, people are so upset with the awards. Oh, no, I know. I know Stop I know. paying for the Observer. The indies aren't getting their due. Listen, okay, people aren't going to vote for a guy that wrestles in front of 88 people in a barn in Alabama. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. This is... Or if they do, it's not going to show up on this yeah. list because not enough people are going to vote for him because that's how awards and popularity contests that's are. That's how voting <laughs> like... works. I mean, you, you, <laughs> right. you lose. I'm sorry. If you and your 10 friends think he's the best technical wrestler, that's fine. You can vote for him, but it doesn't mean the other 900 people are going to think that. So, I, sorry. You know, ex- like... Exposure matters, you know? And it's not just exposure. It's it's Some of these results have, have shown, like with, with Okada, that, you know, you're probably wrong if you have these shitty opinions. I don't know what else to tell you. Um, but, yeah, so that I, I didn't have a problem with the way that went. I don't know if Chris Hero necessarily just played a lot of technical. Yeah, play. yeah, maybe not. He's more but... a broad, but he finished eighth. Who gives a shit? Uh, speaking of brawling, let's go to the Bruiser Brody Memorial Award. Ishii won. I would have voted for Pentagon Jr., I think. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, I, I was shocked that he was seventh. I mean, Pentagon is a no-doubter for me. I, you know, I didn't have a – you know, I think Ishii's a good brawler. I think Shibata – look, like I just talked about, Chris Hero finished third. I think he's a better brawler. Mm-hmm. I think he can do technical wrestling, but I thought his style last year was brawling, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, with the forearms and everything, the kicks and everything else. 
I think he's an excellent brawler. Kevin Owens always does well. Uh, Rush, Samoa Joe. Pentagon Jr., I would have voted for. He finished seventh. And then Tommy End? I don't know about that one. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Shuji Ishikawa, Michael Elgin. Where's Jimmy Havoc? I would have had Jimmy Havoc. Yeah, it's Sammy Callahan, too. I mean, I don't like Sammy Callahan, but, I mean, you talk about brawlers this year. I mean, every match he's in, it's a brawl in the crowd. So I I don't know if any – I don't really like brawls. Do other people respond to his brawls? Um, I didn't see a ton of them, so I can't comment. I, I don't like him, so I'm a bad judge of those. So I, I would have went Pentagon Jr., Jimmy Havoc, 1-2. I don't know who my three would have been. But, yeah. Um, did, did, did... I, the interpretation of the best brawler award is always – I've always struggled with it, too. And you know that, too. We've talked about this uh, you know almost every year that, that I struggle with. Is, is it you – know, what do you define as a brawler? I, to me, I don't know. It's, it's kind of loose, and I guess that le- lends itself to the award being voted on kind of differently in some cases. We have like a Tomohiro Ishii who's just kind of a stiff worker. Is that brawler or is brawler like a guy who, who who does a little bit more of outside the ring, hardcore type stuff? Is that an idea of a brawler? I, I don't know. I've always had trouble interpreting the award exactly how it should go. I think but... Dean Ambrose is a good brawler. Yeah, yeah. See, that's what I mean. I, I don't I, I've never understood quite exactly what it is. So but that's cool though. I'm fine with that the, the kind of vagueness of it because it leads to some pretty interesting voting. So I don't think Ishii's a horrible pick. I just would have voted for someone else. Um, I don't know who I would. Callahan finished honorable mention, by the way. So he oh, finished okay. uh, 14th. Okay, so uh, next up we've got, I believe, Best Flyer. Yep. Which Ricochet's two-year streak has ended. Uh, Will Ospreay is your winner. He ran away with the first-place vote, 741 first-place votes. First time since 2009 that neither Ricochet or Kota Ibushi have won this award. Right, back-to-back for Ibushi, back-to-back for Ricochet. Um, actually, more than that, right? We're talking, um, are you sure 2009? Yeah, yeah. Is that accurate? I looked it and I looked it up. You can you can double check me, but I, I'm I double triple checked it. You're right. Abushi, Abushi, Ricochet, Abushi, Abushi, Ricochet, Ricochet. Abushi yep. won it four times. Wow, that's amazing. I thought Osprey should have won it last year. Um, I think it's a year late. Sometimes with these categories, it takes the voters a year to catch up. Um, but 741 first place votes. He had more first place votes than everybody else combined. So, but the thing was, he only had 1,200 more total points than Ricochet. So there were a lot of people who, you like, if you didn't vote for Osprey first, you didn't really didn't vote for him at all, which is strange because Ricochet really, I mean, he didn't, it wasn't particularly close, but he didn't get blown out. Don't you find that odd? That's got, that may be a misprint. 741 first place votes to Ricochet's 199, and he only won by 1,200 points. Yeah, that, that seems I, weird, <laughs> especially given the scoring and the way they do the scoring. It's 5-3-1, so it's like yeah. we, we got to get Mukigana on the case. I, I don't – I just I, that just seems wrong. I don't know. Uh, but uh, Kota Ibushi finished fourth. Volador Jr., who had a good showing in a lot of these awards, uh, finished third. And then Mascara Dorada, Dragon Lee, Kamatache, Fenix, Matt Seidel, and Kushida um, again – Where's the oversights here? Where are the people complaining? I yeah, that that's yeah that that nails it for me. Especially I I mean who's this? I would maybe yeah I'd maybe move around a little bit of the top five or whatever. But Osprey was my vote for sure. Um, I might not have had Ricochet as number two. I might have moved up, you know, Kamatachi. Or but yeah, again, like there's not really a guy that I'm like, oh my god. There's no glaring omissions. There's no glaring. I cannot believe this guy made the top ten. What are these people watching? A lot of times, guys, it's so, lucha yeah. guys that get left off. There's there's four and really five luchador because Kamatachi. Yeah, yeah, which is is great representation. I mean, Valdor Jr. doing as well as he did is is something a lot of people should be happy about. I mean, that's yeah, he didn't win, but for him to be third, it, 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 that's impressive. And that's there's, a big and there's deal. five guys here who spent the, almost the entire year in Mexico. And- yeah. That's yep. usually who gets screwed in the best flying voting or some of the luchadors, but they had plenty of representation here. 
you got like Mystico or whatever. I think he's probably an honorable mention. I'm sure. But I think you. He was the only one. Dave only listed one, which was Mystico. Okay. So I, you know, I don't know if Kushida's a great flyer on the level of these other guys, but he finished. He's had better flying years. I don't know if this was one of his his highlight. I think he's years. a better I mean, technical wrestler than flyer. I agree. No, I, I agree. Only, I, I don't define him as a flyer. I define him as a, a technical guy. And, that, finished, that and, and to be fair, he finished third in best technical wrestler. But um, so people tend to agree with what I just said. But I, I you know, he finished tenth though. Am I going to sit here and scream and yell about it? There's probably here. Look, there's probably thirty guys in Mexico who are better flyers than him. I mean, I think Sammy Guevara, someone like Sammy Guevara, is a better flyer than him. I think um, you know, uh, th- there's there's probably guys uh, that WWE employs that are better flyers than him. Whether it's uh, um. Callisto or somebody like that, but he finished tenth, so I'm not gonna sit here screaming yell about it. Um, most overrated. This is a fun one. I gotta tell you, this was this one had me laughing to myself like a maniac when I saw the results to this one. Um, Roman Reigns wins it. Braun Strowman number two, Baron Corbin number three, Cody Rhodes number four, and Sexy Star five with Timothy Thatcher finishing sixth. There's just so much to unpack here, Rich. Um, first of all, uh, first of all, Rich, are you there? I am there. Yes. I didn't even hear you breathing. I thought you died <laughs> briefly, but um, I'm back. Number now, one, so. Roman Reigns. I don't think he should. I thought won. you were going on a big rant. So I, I was preparing. I, I got a drink of water. I sat back. I, I but there's no big rant, but I have a lot to say. Okay. Roman Reigns. Number one. I don't think he should have won this. I'm going to tell you. I, I completely disagree with him being number one. I could see people having him on their ballot. I don't, if he finished top 10, I wouldn't have an issue. The problem is. They sort of hit him for a lot of the year in sort of that semi-main event slot. Yeah, he was protected, but he wasn't overpushed. Correct. I don't think. I don't think he was yeah. overpushed the year before. He was overpushed. This year, he wasn't overpushed. He was US. He was in the US title mix, things like that. I don't think he should have been number one. He did main event a dud of a WrestleMania, but 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 after that, it was pretty well to the back. Yeah, after WrestleMania, absolutely, it was. I still think he was their strongest pushed babyface, but he wasn't pushed in main events. There's a difference. Right. Um, you know, the main event scene was then dominated by people like Kevin Owens and AJ Styles and, and John Cena, people like that. And he really wasn't in main events anymore. They sort of, you know, he was like, you know, that U.S. title level. Um, so I don't know if he should have won. Braun Strowman, I could see the argument for having him top 10 because he wasn't ready for the push yet. But they were they were getting him ready for this year. So I don't really have a problem with that. Uh, Baron Corbin, I think this he's an example of people confusing the verbiage of the award because he I, I mean, wasn't pushed all that hard. I mean, the brand split happened, and he's like, he's like an upper mid carder on SmackDown. I, you know, I'm not a big fan of Baron Corbin, but I don't have a problem with him being an upper mid carder on SmackDown. I, no, yeah, and and if this year shows that he becomes the champion or something like that, then yeah, you can put him on here. But I agree, he doesn't really work for last year at, as being overrated. I, at no point was I like. Oh my god, I cannot believe that. I mean, I, I might say, oh my god, I don't really get it with Baron Corbin, but I never said, oh my god, I cannot believe they're doing this with this guy. Oh my god, they're overpushing. Right. Like they needed guys, and they, they took a shot in the you know with, with Baron yeah. Corbin, and they've that's the guy and that's a uh, brand split is going to have guys like that where it's like, all right, well, let's try you out and see what you can do, and that that's a, a the gift and the curse of the brand split is guys like a Baron Corbin. Maybe you get something. Out. Well, I mean, both those guys, Strowman and Corbin, are, are are gifts and curses of the of the brand split where now you have this opportunity to push these guys and and, and get a little risky with it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But it was. It wasn't like these guys were just shoved down your throat for the entire year. We're talking a couple months here. So, yeah, I, I didn't like either of those top three, to be honest. I think Corbin's overrated, but I don't think he's overpushed. 
I think it's severely overrated. People, oh yeah, yeah, overrated in the the, 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 the kind the of the real sports term or whatever. Yeah, the way it should be interpreted. Um, yeah, I agree. People go nuts for this guy, and I I genuinely have no fucking clue what people are talking about. And I wouldn't go overrated for Roman Reigns either because I think he's pretty good in the ring as well. Oh, yeah, people yeah. go a little too nuts with him, but he's the other, uh, yeah, he's I, the other way around. He's overpushed, but not overrated. Exactly right. But Corbin is overrated, but not overpushed. I. I I, the, the Corbin thing, I just will never fucking get. The guy is so fucking average, it's unbelievable. And people talk like he's like, like I don't know. They, like, I watched Punisher Martinez wrestle Hiroki Goto the other night, and I thought he was better than Baron Corbin. And I know people are going to you know, subtweet the shit out of me for that, but Baron Corbin, I don't think, ever had a match as good as Punisher Martinez had against Goto. And it was funny because Meltzer made the same comparison, but he said Corbin was better than Martinez. But it's funny that he was thinking like on, along the same lines that they were similar because they are similar guys. I was more impressed with Punisher Martinez. I don't right. even think Punisher Martinez is particularly great or anything. I thought they both looked like shit. So <laughs> there's Martinez my and there. Goto? Uh, no, I, uh, Martinez and Baron oh, Corbin, I think they both look like shit. So that's, that, that was my comparison is like, wow, geez, this guy looks as low rent as Baron Corbin. So yeah. So anyway, and then the next we'll three, I think later. we got Cody Rhodes where I can totally see why people think he's over. Oh God. Yes. He comes yeah, yeah. to your hometown and beats your top guy. <laughs> to be fair though, he draws at that level. I, so I don't know. You know what I mean? Can you call a guy over pushed who clearly, but does he move numbers like people say he does? I don't know. Yeah, I guess we'd have to do a little bit more of an investigation of that. It's but, sort of yeah, a reputation, but I, you know, just because he tweets out that he drew another sellout doesn't mean that he did. I mean, I, I don't know. Now, these two, I think, are great. Sexy Star and Timothy Thatcher, um, because these are two people who actively were bad for the promotions that they worked for and were disliked by a good chunk of the fans of the promotions that they worked for. I definitely think Timothy Thatcher actively held back his promotion and isn't popular amongst the fans of his promotion. And the same could be said for Sexy Star, who, by the way, Rich, is one of the worst wrestlers I've ever seen live. Yeah, you saw her at uh, Wrestle Circus. And right? I didn't really talk about it last week, and but I'm going to talk about it now. She wrestled Rachel Elring and uh, Laura Van Ness from TNA. I don't, I think her name's Chelsea Green on the Independents. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was good. Van Ness was good in the match. Elring was, eh, I'm not a big fan of her either. Um, she was okay. Sexy Star was one of the worst wrestlers I've ever seen in person on a pro, and I've been to hundreds of pro wrestling shows, small indies with. With, I once went to an indie show with six fans, and three of them came in my, my car. So I've been to the tiniest of indie shows, you ever, and she is legitimately one of the worst wrestlers I've ever seen in person. No less than three or four times did she bump in the wrong direction. I mean, it doesn't get any worse than sex. That's impressive. Yeah, that, that's hard to do. So. I mean, she's <laughs> taking, like, front kicks and falling forward. You know, it's like, what you, it's like first-day stuff. She was so bad that I was afraid she was going to hurt herself. And the then fa- the wrestle the Austin crowd which is hot for everyone groaning at the things that the, 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 the sequences she had with Rachel Elring were some of the worst sequences you'll ever fucking see. I mean it was so bad. It was so bad that if I were Wrestle Circus, I would have edited out like 8 minutes of that match. She was that mm-hmm. fucking terrible. So, that is the benefit that Lucha Underground has. <laughs> it's multiple takes and lots of edits. So, Oh, my God. I mean, and it's like I knew she was – look, I never thought she was particularly good. I did think that people were being a little too hard on her. But now that I've seen Sexy Star with my own <laughs> eyes, this is – this. I don't know if there's a worse major league pro wrestler than Sexy Star in the world that I've ever – I can't think of one if there is. I, I think a lot of she – is, she is worse – 
then a lot of like, you know how NXT will move the women up a little too quickly sometimes and they're just not ready for NXT Sure, TV. right, right. She's worse than any of those that I've ever seen. I mean, if you take away the like, – she did a couple pretty dives, okay? You know, she did a couple impressive-looking dives. I'll give her that. But in terms of her, her, her like, base and her skill, and I, I thought her body was in danger and Rachel Elring's body was in danger. It, she was that bad. I thought she was a danger to herself and her opponent. She was awful. And I thought Chelsea Green was very smart to just stay out of the way. And if, <laughs> I don't want to get hurt. I am. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go back to TNA and make my money. So because it was all L ring and sexy star, basically. Yeah, and and Green was like the third person and was the heel. And she was by far the best worker. It wasn't even close. She was, a, mm-hmm. she was miles ahead of L ring too, who I think is nothing more than average. But she's only been wrestling for like what twenty four months or something. So I'm, yeah, she's still a noob. And yeah. So anyway, Sexy Star is uh, is overrated by every fucking definition. But I think Sexy Star at Thatcher would have been the best pick for this. Rounding it out was Lesnar, Sheamus, which I don't understand. Uh, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. I understand Lesnar, Ambrose, and Rollins. Um, even if I personally wouldn't have chosen any of them. How the fuck is Sheamus over <laughs> that tag team title? That asshole. Like, I mean, he's a hard working mid card guy, which is, yeah, I don't, if anything, that's... he's under pushed. I mean, I, I don't think he is, but I think you can make a better argument. He's under pushed. He never catches on when he's pushed hard. So I, but how is he? He's not over pushed in any. Yeah. That, that, that was kind of weird. He's pushed I, right I to his level. Care. Yeah. Everybody else. I pretty much, everybody else in that bottom half. I agree with you. The Lesnar, Ambrose Rollins, all those I'll agree with Thatcher. Of course. So would be my pick. Uh, and sexy star, but yeah, Seamus kind of stood out. It was, well, what do you want them to do with the guy? Like, the the next level he can get is, you know, get fired from the company is about the lowest he can go there. So I, I don't know, you know, work main events with Apollo Cruz is about the lowest he can go. So yeah, I, I was kind of perplexed by him being, you know, considered overpushed. But I don't think, yeah. That's interpretation of the war. People go by overrated, and and you know that they don't go by overpushed. So another another issue with these awards. Unfortunately, the only I, I just thought of someone who might be worse than sexy star. Brandy Rhodes might be worse. But the thing about that yeah, is she's got like four matches under her she's belt. No experience. I mean, like, Se- right, Sexy star has yeah. been wrestling for 10 years or whatever it is. Yeah. Brandon Rhodes trained for four weeks and got put on national TV. I mean, Jesus. And if you take away sexy stars dives, I'm not so sure that she's worse than Brand. I'm not so sure Brandy Rhodes is worse. That's how bad sexy star, was. at least as bad as she was in that match. Uh, segwaying from Sheamus right to most underrated. This has become the Cesaro Memorial. He's not dead, but the Cesaro Memorial award. <laughs> Uh, for most underrated. Now, I thought he was pushed a little better this year than he has been in some other years. Um, look, this all comes down to, do you think Cesaro could be a main event player? Um, I personally think that he can be. A lot of people think that his ceiling is like a upper mid-card guy, and if, if, if that's your belief, then he's not underpushed. Do I think he's the most underpushed person in wrestling? I'd have to really think hard on that one. Um, I, I don't know. Do you think someone like Sami Zayn has more of a main event upside than Cesaro? Yeah, I, I think my interpretation of the award, and of course I, I know what the award's supposed to mean and I know all that sort of stuff. My interpretation as far as Cesaro winning the award is, and, and this might not make sense, and maybe maybe you can kind of understand what I'm trying to get at here. I don't know that I can call Cesaro necessarily underpushed, but underutilized. Does that make sense? It can it be both? It can. That Cesaro's a guy that that I don't know that you necessarily have to main event WrestleMania with him. But he's a guy that I would put on there for 20 minutes in a singles match. I would have him as a big single star. Even if he's not main eventing, even if he's not winning titles, even if he's not winning Royal Rumbles, even if he's not you know, the last guy out at WrestleMania. But if he's a solid upper mid-card guy that is just every night on Raw, you can turn on and go, no, you're going to get you know a 20-minute awesome Cesaro match. I think that... 
I underutilized. Absolutely. I, I underpushed. I don't know. I, I, I waver on what I think his ceiling is, you know, as well. I, I think his ceiling might just be a solid upper mid card hand or whatever. And I don't know if they necessarily make the most out of that, but I thought they tried a little bit this last year. So I, I don't know if I like him for most underrated, but I do think he's more un- underutilized. And I don't know that those are necessarily the same. You think they can get more out of him? Yeah, I think I, I don't know that they necessarily can get more out of him by main eventing him, but I think they get more out of him by letting him be a single star and letting him have a little bit more freedom in the ring and, and, and doing a little bit more with his character. Not necessarily saying that he has to main event. Here, here's what he could be. And he could be a very popular babyface who's pushed with respect, who clearly always beats the guys below him, but who you use sort of a gatekeeper for your next big heel. You use Cesaro to get your next to get your Braun Strowmans and your Baron Corbins over because you know he's going to go out there and have a great match with them and make them look great. And if you think those guys have a bigger future than him, Cesaro is like the babyface gatekeeper for those guys. Yeah, I, I look at him. I mean, obviously not babyface, but I look at him as like what Rick Rude used to be, what Mr. Perfect used to be, one of those guys who were clearly oh Jake Roberts, one of those guys who would get that guy ready. And and, and nobody ever thought that those guys you know were underutilized or underused or whatever because they weren't. I mean, they right. were they were solid hands on that next level, but they weren't Hulk Hogan. They weren't you know those sort of guys. But I, I think it's fine for Cesaro. I think that's a good spot for him to be in. I don't know that they do that with him, though, and I do think they underutilize him, and I think he could do more for them. But un- under-pushed, I-, I don't know. You're right. He's definitely a slot below those guys you just named. Like, like Razor Ramon's spot would be good for him. And I don't even right, think right, he's as yeah. respected as a guy like Razor Ramon was. In either company, by the way, because Scott Hall kind of had the same role in WCW. You know what I mean? He was never... I, I, he probably had a couple WCW title runs, right? Because they gave the title to everybody for a while. No, you'd be, no, he never did. Oh, he never did, yeah. Oh, so, he never did, yeah. So there you go. So it's like, it's kind of like the Scott Hall slash Razor Ramon role where clearly this guy's a big deal, and he's not at that level. He's firmly a mid-carder. Um, I'll give you another example of someone who I think didn't even show up in the honorable mentions but probably should have been in here in some form or fashion is Mascara Dorada who no one ever pushes at any level at all. He is absolutely not my number one. It's and like, it's Jesus, like, guys. And, and it's like, look, again, how many companies are just going to not push this guy ever? It's unbelievable. And he's not. And again, he's not a WrestleMania main eventer or anything like that. But Jesus Christ, they didn't even put him on TV. <laughs> I mean, they didn't even put Rich. Think about this. They have a fucking cruiserweight show and they didn't even put him on that show. Like, forget about Raw. This guy couldn't even get on the cruiserweight show. I mean, so I and New Japan did it too the year New before. Japan this guy it. held the title and was there the whole year, and they did six mans with him and never did a thing with never. him until the last week that he was there and they had him defend his title. And then they go, oh okay, thanks, Excuse bye. Him to, to, to get Bushi over when Bushi turned at the very tail end of his run, they did nothing all year. I mean, so yeah, but uh, you know, um, the usual suspects here: Cesaro, Neville, Sami Zayn, Luke Harper, Donovan Dijak. That's a good pick. Um, Rusev, Tomohiro Ishii, uh, Dalton Castle, Chris Hero. I don't see how Chris Hero, uh, that one makes no sense. Yeah, what the hell are you talking about? I mean, Jesus Christ, what do you want to He main evented like every fucking show he was on. Yeah, he main evented every Indian, every country, and every promotion in the world uh, last and year. And Mark so, Andrews, yeah. who I think is a good one. And then. Yeah, Andrews is good. You know who's a real good one who didn't even show up honorable mention? And let me explain myself before you shit on me. I think Will Ospreay should have finished high here. New Japan did nothing with him. Aside from the best of the Super Junior win, he did nothing but lose. Yeah, no, I agree, because there was buzz, and we talked about it, too, of him being a, you know, a potential next biggest thing. But the problem with him, I guess, is that in Europe, he's pretty well. that's well... the thing. In Europe, yeah. he did a losing streak gimmick. Now, 
I understand that was for storyline purposes, mm-hmm. you know, but, but, but still. And so you really can't count that because even though he was losing matches, it wasn't like he was being buried. It was to build a story. I understand. Right. And he was still being one of the featured guys in a lot of those companies. Right. Too. Right. He's still main eventing and stuff, but he was losing. Um, but, but the thing is, you look at it from like a kayfabe perspective, the guy, Will, Will Ospreay never wins, Rich. I mean, and I'm not making it up. Like, you look from – like, he, he has a losing record in his career. I looked it up the other night. And it's not just when he was a kid. Like, last year, he had a losing record. You're talking about a guy who's one of the biggest independent stars in the world, and he never wins his matches. So I just think he would have been an interesting one, and he didn't even finish anywhere. Because you think of him as this, you know, big-time pushed guy. He really isn't. He's not. No one really pushes him anymore. I, he was pushed harder, very mu- much harder, 2014, 2015, even in his, his home promotion than he was last year. I thought he was underutilized everywhere in the world last year, really. Um, let's see. Promotion of the year, New Japan blows everybody out, including UFC. The big argument here is whether UFC should have uh, uh, beaten New Japan. But, of course, we're not going to look at that perspective. We don't care about the MMA. In terms of pro wrestling, um, you know, I, I thought they should have ran away with it and they did wwe finished second here's the thing i have a problem with this is insane to me ring of honor finished fourth and evolve finished fifth rich can you fucking explain that to me who in their right mind thought ring of honor had a better year this year than evolve i mean from any perspective really i mean yeah and i well i evolve go ahead i mean evolve it wasn't just in the ring i mean they had a great fucking year they signed up a multi-million dollar contract for sports (laughs) it changed gabe sapolsky's life in the ring, they were great. How can you fucking make this argument that Ring of Honor, who was in, in disarray the entire year, uh, had a better year than Evolve in any way, shape, or form, especially Bell to Bell? I mean, can you explain to me where... Yeah, Bell to Bell is, is indefensible. I guess maybe you could talk from a business sense in terms of not necessarily the deal that, that Evolve signed, but that, you know, touring and, and, and people coming to shows or whatever, Ring of Honor, of course, had more than Evolve because Evolve still struggles other than WrestleMania weekend or big weekends to get you know big crowds to their shows or whatever. So I could see that. But I think another thing is just exposure. And maybe you talked about at the beginning about you know us being in this little circle of people and our little niche of a niche of a niche or whatever. What was interesting about this voting is that Evolve had 47 first place votes. Ring of Honor had 18. Yet Ring of Honor had 555 points. Evolve had 477. What that tells you again, like we did with some other awards, is that more people had Ring of Honor in their, you know, in their countdown or, or in, in their, you know, ballot or whatever. Whereas less people had Evolve, but the people that liked Evolve really liked Evolve, and that's just an exposure standpoint where more people are exposed to Ring of Honor, more people watch Ring of Honor. We kind of, and, and maybe we're guilty of this too. We sort of poo-poo Ring of Honor because they got this, and we don't like this direction, we don't like this sort of things. But at, when it's all said and done, I mean, they are still very popular. They 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 do get a lot of people that follow the product. You know, maybe not hardcore follow it, but but are aware of the product and 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 do maybe from time to time jump into the TV or from time to time jump into the pay-per-views or 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 sample it on new japan world or whatever so they, they do have a little bit more cachet than maybe we're giving them credit for because you and i don't really like them necessarily or, or, or maybe don't like them but aren't as invested in them as we are some other promotions including evolve who who i agree i would absolutely have voted evolve over ring of honor but that's personal preference and for these people it's personal preference that ring of honor is better than evolve but i think a lot of that was they don't watch evolve they don't have any idea what's going on in evolve but they watch ring of honor we forget that there are people that are like that too I think the European promotions got shit on here. Um, Progress finishing eighth. They should have done better. Rev Pro finishing 10th. No sign of places like OTT or, IC, or um, uh, ICW or, um, 
or, or WXW, not even in the honorable mentions. Look, I'm not saying these play, and maybe OTT a better year for them will be this year with the growth that they're showing early on. Um, but you know, they just, I, I think they weren't represented well enough. And again, that, I think that's an exposure thing. Um, but those companies all grew, those companies, um, are all moving in the, in, in a positive direction. And you can't necessarily say that about some of the companies that were ahead of them is PWG growing Is ring of honor growing. I don't think the answer is yes. So I, I don't know. I think I would have voted at least a couple of those European promotions ahead of some of these American indie promotions this year. Um, let's see, moving on best weekly TV show. This is a weird one because the new Japan world pro wrestling one. And I think what Dave did is combined the Japanese, both Japanese versions, the 30 minute and the 60 minute and the axis version and counted them all in one pool, which I don't think is necessarily fair. Those are three very different shows. Um, so I, but I, but I, but since, only one version appeared in the, in the top 10. I think he just counted them all together. The other problem I have with this is he wouldn't count the cruiserweight classic. Yeah. Which is, which is absolute bullshit. <laughs> yeah. That's garbage. Uh, and, and it would have been my vote. It would have been a lot of people's vote. I think it may have won. Um, and it, it's, it's, it would have been close. I think, I think a lot of these WWE votes may have gone to the cruiserweight classic instead. The other thing that stands out to me, is how NXT and Lucha Underground dropped like stones this year, finishing a very yep. mediocre sixth and seventh. I think that was stood out for me too. That's that's my big takeaway for sure. Is 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 in, in both those things. I would have absolutely voted the Cruiserweight Classic, and it was kind of garbage that they didn't. So I've I've sort of thrown this award away now uh, because the criteria doesn't make any sense to me, and I don't really understand what's eligible and what's not or whatever. But regardless of that, yeah, NXT falling to six after winning last year, and Lucha Underground falling to seventh. I mean, those are precipitous drops. Uh, I'm I'm even more the, the NXT I think is a little bit more glaring because that's still WWE and as we know with these awards you tend to get a lot of people that 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 tend to overrate WWE or not, maybe not overrate but but are familiar with WWE a lot of people subscribing to observing that sort of thing that's their number one promotion they know it they grew up on it or whatever right. so they tend to get a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt sure. and NXT was such a, I mean God that was a dynamo I mean it felt like that run was never going to go away and it, it it's huge drop I mean that's it, it's not just us you know we talk about how we don't enjoy the TV as much. There it is right there. I mean, that sixth, it fell behind CML Friday nights. <laughs> like, yeah. In first place votes, too. It wasn't just that. That's the other thing, too, is NXT got 68 first place votes. I mean, CML Friday night got 79. Talking Smack, 165. Yeah. SmackDown, 200. Yeah. I mean, that's not just that, you know, people had it on their ballot. That's a lot. Of, you know, they didn't even get that many first place votes for NXT. That's crazy. Yeah. Both of those shows drop like a stone. Um, pro wrestling match of the year. Of course, we have our big match of the year poll. A lot of the same matches finishing in the top 10. You know, some of these matches finished in the exact same place that they finished in our poll. Um, I think Ricochet Will Ospreay finished sixth in both polls. Uh, this poll, though. It was actually seventh in ours. Seventh? Sorry. Okay. So you have ours in front? Because yeah, I, do, yeah. I do not. I know. Uh, let's see. Our poll, it was Omega Naito, uh, yeah. number one. This finished second. And uh, the Observer poll, Tanahashi Okada from the Tokyo Dome was number one. I think that was number two for so us. So our one-two, yeah, our one-two was switched. but Right. Now, my number one match was Tanahashi Okada, so this fell more in line than our poll did. Um, number three in this poll was Okada versus Ishii. That was fifth in ours. And then, uh, let's see, AJ Nakamura. That was sixth for ours. Nakamura Zane finished fifth. That was fourth for us. So very close. Yeah. Ricochet Ospreay was sixth. You said that was seventh, right? Yep. Uh, the uh, DIY revival from Toronto was seventh. 
And we had it third. Okay. So there, that's kind of a bit of a difference. That's a four-spot difference. Um, the six-man from uh, PWG with Bucks and Ricochet and Osprey was Yeah, eighth. I'm scrolling. That one, I forgot where that one landed by us. It is it is not uh, – oh, we had a 29th, so that's a huge difference. Massive so difference. Yeah. I, yeah, that match did not do nearly as well with our voters. Um, let's see. Volador versus uh, Cavanario finished ninth. I don't know if yeah. that got a single. <laughs> I don't know if it did either. Yeah, let me. Uh... Eight thirty from Mexico City. Uh, legit... Let's see. No, our only Volador match is Volador versus Caristico uh, in, in April. So yeah, that did not even place in our ballot whatsoever. I gotta find this fucking match. It got twenty five first place votes. Um, uh-huh. I, you know, I'm sure Cubs fan page has it up, but um, not a single vote in our poll. And Cena AJ was number ten. I think it was number eleven in our poll. So, yeah, let me, uh, let me make sure here. But I, I, I think that is you said Cena AJ. Uh, yeah, it was number eleven for us. So ten or eleven. Yep. So yeah. real close. So here's the interesting thing, though. And I'm not going to go through the honorable mentions, but what's notable to me is that Cena AJ Styles Brooklyn match was the only WWE proper bout, non NXT, non Cruiserweight Classic. WWE main roster is the only WWE main roster match to finish in the top 20, which speaking to your point that you just made, Wrestling Observer voters, they're always going to favor WWE to some extent because that's most of the voters. It's their number one promotion. One WWE match in the top 20. I mean, and here's the thing. I don't really have a major gripe with that. The WWE main roster did not have a great in-ring year last year. It wasn't terrible or anything, but it definitely wasn't as strong as a few of the years prior. Definitely not as strong as 2014 and probably not as strong as 2015 either. How many other WWE matches did we have in our top 20? I just closed it. Damn it. I closed the window. I, I don't think it was that many, though. Know. It was not. No, it was not too many. I know. Um, we had none I in our top 10. Yeah, one of the Owens-Zane matches I thought was in the top 20. I think uh, maybe Battleground. Um, and then I think one of the Styles-Roman Reigns ones was as well. But that, that was it. So it wasn't, it wasn't very many. Yeah, and again, um, Kazuchika Okada matches finishing first and third in the Observer Bowl. Maybe it's time to put that, to, put, that, uh, put that debate to bed, Rich. Maybe we need to really stop wasting time on these Okada. I mean, it, it's just, most people recognize the talent. You know, and the Marafuji match finished in the honorable mentions. The other, the Tanahashi draw finished in the, I mean, he had four matches. He probably had more matches in this top 20 than any, than any other wrestler. Because I mean, he has at least four that I'm looking at right here. So, and he did very well in our poll as well. So, again, Okada doing very strong in, in, in all of the categories. Um we're not going to do the MMA fight of the year rookie of the year. Matt Riddle ran away with it. We all knew that he would. We all knew that he deserved it. Um, interesting though, is Leo rush finished second. And I asked Dave directly whether Leo rush was going to count as a rookie. And he, he said, no, now, <laughs> and, and, and that was, that was on Twitter. That was in public. Now here's the thing. I'm not suggesting that Leo rush would have won, but that no doubt cost him votes. Because, you know, because, you know, we post the rookies on our forum. We try to keep track of it. We try to keep it organized. That was a, you know, Dave tweeted out to all of his followers who are presumably his readers that Leo Rush did not count. And here we go. Leo Rush getting 47 first place votes and 2,100 points and finishing second in rookie of the year. So he probably screwed the guy out of some votes, but it, it wouldn't have affected anything. He wasn't going to beat Riddle. Riddle, you know, destroyed everybody as well. He should have Fred, uh. How do I pronounce that last name, Rich? Did you listen oh to Oh boy, Observer? that was that was cringy. Yeah, I was I was driving and I, I 
I had to kind of <laughs> look away for a moment. It was, uh, yeah, it was. What did he say? He said like yeehaw or what? what the... Yeehaw, I think, right? Yeehaw. I don't know. What... No, I forgot how he said it. He said it something. I, I some way that I would have never even because I know yeehaw. how to pronounce yeehaw, it. Maybe. No, he didn't say yeehaw. He said something like it wasn't even close. I was like, what? <laughs> like, where'd I, you get that? I, well, the th- what that shows you is that he hasn't watched Evolve at all. I mean, he's no, not watched all. Evolve like... shows, which is weird because he was in Dallas. But I can tell you, <laughs> I was at the Evolve shows and he wasn't there. So it's like even when he's there, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to pick on Brian, but it's like you should probably know who that guy is. Don't, yeah, Freddie, uh, you should probably you should have probably an idea. Or at least listen when Dave talks about him because Dave's talked about him before on the show. Like, that's whatever. E-I-T-A. <laughs> That's the all timer, right? That's the all timer. To Johnny Gargano. Yeah, ITA. Gargano's like, oh, you mean Ata? Yeah. I just, uh, I think it was Gargano. It was a, it was. It was somebody there, yeah. E I T A. I love it. I don't think it was Gargano. Who was it? Who was he interviewing that day? Can't remember who it was. Um, but I, now I just love this idea that every time they have it announced, it, it takes like two minutes to announce his name. E I T A. That'd be good for a big R Shimizu to have a name like that, where it was like long and you had to spell every single letter of it. So, well, the hot Japanese rookies were uh, Takuya Nomura, of course. He finished fifth, and Ben K finished sixth. Twenty-eight, twenty-nine votes for old Ben K. Twenty-nine first place votes, yeah, which was second. Yeah. No, third. Well, third behind Riddle, obviously. But um, uh, Chihiro Hashimoto as well finished seventh. Rachel Elring, who we just talked about, had twenty-eight first place votes, so she had her fans there. I'd love to know who voted Teriyaki uh, Kanemitsu. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. You really think that guy's the best? David Finley, David Finley Jr. David Finley Jr. was the vote for that one, I bet. I mean, that guy's not even that impressive. I mean, no, I mean, come on. If he's your rookie of the year, you do not watch enough wrestling. <laughs> I thought Kawato is better than him. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't even watch enough New Japan Jr. <laughs> like, you don't even watch. I don't. Yeah. That. Uh, I a little even vote for Kawato. Yeah. Like, he, they, they, those guys don't even deserve yeah. votes. They're not even close to the, the, the other people that we just named. I don't, I don't know. Uh, so let's see. Uh, best non-wrestler, Dario Cueto. I have no issue with that. Um, you know, Daniel Bryan, Paul Heyman. I do have a problem with Maurice finishing fourth. I don't think – what does she bring to the table? Yeah, she just kind of leers and <laughs> that's about she it. She kind of yeah, just that's... stands there. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Uh, Stokely Hathaway, Renee Young, William Regal, Lana, Gato, and Katrina, all of whom I think are better than Maurice at their jobs. And then uh, honorable mention. Yeah, Sto- Stokely did a great job trying to get something out of Timothy Thatcher this year. I thought I thought he did a really good job all all year round with Catchpoint and all those guys. I thought he was an MVP for Evolve. So I would I would have put Stokely's him pretty high. Does, is very good. He's been very smart to co-opt influential people on Twitter as well. Don't, yes, he's been very smart to do that. Uh, Mick Foley, Jim Smallman, and Xavier Woods uh, rounded out. I have no problem with those guys. I do want to talk really quickly about Smallman because I think his role is undervalued. I know some people get annoyed at the Smallman banter before every progress show. I think it's a vital part of their presentation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, you know, look, do I fast forward it? Absolutely. I do. A lot of the time I do, but I, it's not for you. It's for the live audience. Absolutely. And he does a tremendous job and he gets that crowd fired up and he entertains the shit out of them. They're at full attention. And I do think he uh, is a very important part of the overall package. Let's see. Best television announcer, Mauro Ranallo wins it. He wins it quite handily. Again, Rich, are we dealing with small niche bubbles? Because all we see is hate for this guy. 
and then he runs away with the award. I mean, he's a professional announcer, and he's very good at his job. I don't know if I would have voted him number one. I probably, gun to my head, would have. I really love Graves, too, though. I really do love him. Graves would have been my number one pick. I, I think Graves is awesome. It would have been one of the two. I think he's he's already, like, an all-time great. I think he just knows exactly what to do. And I, No, I, I love, love Corey Graves' work on, on commentary. So he would be my number one, but I, I have no huge issue if you put Morrow you know, right there. Not, not a big deal for me, but yeah, like you're saying, we, we hear nothing but how horrible he is. And, and there are things that he does that annoys me, but no, he, he's still a very good at what he does and, and, and conveys, you know, what he's trying to get across quite well. But I would have done Corey Graves uh, as my number one, but I, I have no issue with Morrow being number one. It falls off the shelf from there for me personally. I, mean, <laughs> I love the number three. You know, Nogami, we've had this rant, we've had this rant like three years running and I know we're going to have it again. So he's not even New Japan's number one guy. <laughs> and you and don't know the language. You don't know the language. Now Dave, don't know now, now Dave claims <laughs> people from japan vote for him and i i don't doubt that but i think a lot of americans are voting i think a lot of english-speaking uh, yeah. people are voting for him thinking he's calling all of the show he doesn't <laughs> even call all the shows he's not the number one guy so yeah we're not going to do all that again ross finishes fourth which is strange because i don't think his work is that great on axis mm, no, um carino finished fifth and i don't even think he's that good um, no i think he's pretty terrible <laughs> yeah joe rogan I, mma okay kevin kelly average as fuck Daniel Bryan, number eight. Am I missing something here? Cruiserweight Classic is what we're... I guess the Cruiserweight Classic, and I like Daniel Bryan in the Cruiserweight Classic, but I would never vote him for this award. I, I thought, I, I enjoyed his enthusiasm, but I don't know that I necessarily would call him a great announcer for the Cruiserweight Classic, if that makes sense. I enjoyed it, but on a technical level, I don't think it was, it was great. And Lenny so. Leonard finished in 10th. He always gets screwed. Face Fuck Phillips was 11th. Josh Barnett, I think he's way better than 12th. 